welcome to the Serpent Temple podcast. This week I am joined by, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Maxim from All Sire. I am All Sire. Hi, thank you for having me. There he is. And also Floyd. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. So Hi. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start with the side cards? Uh, so I'm from Brighton. I'm a solo drone doom RABM black metal musician. Uh, I do all live solo drone stuff, lots of amps, lots of slowed down black metal riffs. And here we are. Big and spicy. I like it. Absolutely. So why don't you give these side cards a shuffle, imbue them with your spirit, and then we can do a little spread for you. While you do so, um, let's talk a little bit about your music. It's very cool. You were saying that everyone is is reminded of a different band. Yeah, so I, when I talk to people about it, and everyone is always like, oh, that reminds me of something, or even if it's the logos or the album cover or the releases, and there, every single time I get a different band. I haven't had people say the same band once. I've had everything from Weirdly Meshuggah on one review really? somehow. Don't know. Oh, don't know if they like the weird technical things at the five eight or something. Um, I've had was it Godspeed You Black Emperor? Obviously, Sun, Bismuth, all of them, the whole range. So this, I didn't tell you this mm. earlier, but yeah. the main thing your music reminds me of is Neil Young's soundtrack for Dead Man, the Jim <laughs> right. Jarmusch film. Have you ever heard it? No, I haven't. He actually. improvised the whole thing in one take, and it's one of the best soundtracks ever. It's all of, really cool. I recommend it. Yeah, that's what I do. It's all like improvised as well. Nice. Obviously, set progressions but whatever feels good for them which is the best thing about being on yourself no drummers it's great (laughs) (laughs) well okay so let's start with the spread we're going to do we're going to start with six card spread um so why don't you take the cards i'll just put my hand where you need to put them cool so put one there no one there no one there and then three below basically What's the card that always comes up again? I swear there's always one card that always the comes fool. up. Yeah, I think it's always oh, the fool. Yeah. It's always the fool. That's definitely going to come up for me. It's, it's the musician's card. Definitely. For sure. Yeah, I mean, just remember if I'm doing it right, because it's been a while. I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, it's, there's another row. That's another it. Another row at the top. So you want, you want nine. Yeah, one, it is nine cards, not six. I was like, this doesn't look right. Yeah, and we'll make it into a diamond if we've got time. So the first Perfect. card you want to turn over is this one. This is the, the base card. Everything you know what? Is... I bloody forgot to put the Inquirer card in the middle. So if we get the Inquirer... Oh. <laughs> so it much it's That's fine. Okay. The spirits will correct it for us. The middle one's the And this is the basis that everything, the, the perspective that we're viewing all the future cards. Or Yeah, you are the Inquirer. So we're looking top down onto your psyche. Ooh work work that's, so that's a pretty musiciany card that's a pretty musiciany one and there's that's a pretty me card because i'm not very good at inactivity and doing nothing i'm always doing something doing my music stuff doing my job studying and then obviously social life and all when we're allowed to have that so gigs um yeah i think work's pretty important to me as well so i think that's if anyone described me constantly skirting the edge of burnout it's probably <laughs> there so uh, that's a really good one i think that's I can a very good basis for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your mm. your studying as well is related to work yes. too, because you're studying music. Yeah, studying music, which was definitely a, like I was saying to you before, it's a last minute COVID decision. Mm-hmm. May as well go and do a master's, do some music business. All right, met some great people. Um, met up with a guy from Cancer Bats, Liam Cormier, as well the vocalist oh, from that. Cool. Very cool. Which is very cool. Who is the most enthusiastic person I think I've ever met in my entire life. Everything is like hundred percent, and he is the happiest man alive. I think. Oh. Which is great. Um, and yeah. Other stuff, Liam Coggins saying before, 
guy who does loads of uh, doctorates in like drone and doom and religiosity, which is awesome. So, yeah. So tell me, what was one of the things Mm. that you've learned in your studies that you would tell a band? That I would tell a band? Yeah, what advice would Um, you give? I think having an understanding, both your, not only like, you know, to say a businessy or selling point, but your relationship to what you're doing with the music and where you want it to go would be the main thing. And having that set image, because, you know, when you know yourself and you can, if you're drunk at a gig or something or you're there you're meeting somebody in the street how would you in one sentence sum up your music to other people mm. you know and that not only does that keep it concise for you and you have a clear image and goal and stuff you know that is also nobody wants to hear a rambling like 20 minute sentence <laughs> about oh i kind of do this but it's a bit like that you know a clear concise this is what i do people are so much more likely as well to be into that and yeah i think that's my advice that i give people for that see to me that makes a lot of sense because when yeah. you've got a scene that's so sprawling and vast like no one has the time to read an extensive description of what the sound is yeah. like one sentence i'm just like cool that's what it is like you said perfectly concise and that's just all i need exactly i think so many people hate genre and the confines of genre and subgenre. i think i controversially i think i actually think it's great not because it you know, gives people those confines, but it is so useful in just a really easy, accurate description of saying what somebody does or what you do. Mm. You know, it, could, it doesn't have to be the tropes associated with the genre. It could be musically, it could be culturally, but it just makes it so easy to say, I do this or they do that. And if they do other things outside of that, that's completely fine. You know, I think people have an issue with it are the same people that think stuff should stick in its genres and if it says it's one thing it has to be that thing you know so i think you know that's what it comes down to as well like those genres are so important because not only do they allow a community to grow and foster and you have like you say you have such a disparate metal scene it gives people a sense of identity within that and it just makes it easier to navigate when it is so vast and so varied you know you can play anything as long as it's kind of distorted or even not it's metal controversially don't quote me on that one but yeah yeah no it's no i i 100 agree and i think because you know you're always going to have like commonalities in the genre it just helps to know if there's a similarity between bands because you know exactly. there might be a good chance that you might also be into that band yeah i think where i draw the line is when subgenres become so descriptive to the point where like blackened death metal and death forward slash black metal are two yeah. completely different subgenres. Know, apparently oh. yeah <laughs> one is fast and slow one slow and fast <laughs> yeah. like it's either a breakdown or an intro you can't have both though <laughs> yeah nasty I, I conversely like there are genres that are just from one band like crabcore and paracore <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you guys it, remember hate beak no it's literally a guy's parrot <laughs> That's oh, wasn't band. that that Australian grime band or something? They had that. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, yeah. The guys <laughs> yeah, that was it. No, I do know. Week. Yeah, oh, that was it. I love stuff like that though as well. And yeah. I think that, and you can be as serious as you want with it, but at the end of the day, it's being able to have that almost humor and tongue-in-cheek recognition of it as well is so important. You know? Yeah, I think so. people can get bogged down, but you're, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's important to have. An ability to to search for and classify, yeah. but I think sometimes people can get restricted yeah. by it at the same time exactly. too. Yeah. It can be quite like confining if you think, oh, I'm going to 
play black metal now. It must all be it. completely black metal. Exactly. I but can't, then, for, for any reason, throw something spicy in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's the confines that you put on yourself within music. And like I say, that's for me, I think some people, especially the, the little, you know, basement dwelling <laughs> black metal purists would probably hate the fact that I call some of what I do black metal, even though if you, you know, sped it up, stuck some blast beats on there, even though I'm playing fast without drums at some points, you know, I still call it black metal because for me it's still at its heart, still black metal inspired. It is still black metal. So it sounds yeah. like it to me. I don't think we should worry mm. about pleasing those guys. Absolutely anyway. not. Yeah, it's got like the main kind of thing I get from it, and I think you might have penned this description yourself of that how mm. it's like just a reflection of apathy and exactly yeah. melancholia, and yeah. and you totally and that's such a black metal thing though. Yeah, that whole melancholic. Like, yeah, you know. and we were talking before. You know, I I love DSBM and hypothermia and everything like that as well and that's such a big inspiration for me both songwriting and vocally as well which we were talking about those like shrieks and stuff so yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's funny because i feel like um when it comes to like the dsbm vocals i feel like a lot of people weren't aware of it until kind of ghost buff crept yeah. onto the scene yeah and then all of a sudden people were made aware that there's this really shrill overly emotional vocal <laughs> yeah, style exactly and i remember when they first played at bloodstock and all yeah. you'd hear in the middle of the night was everybody <laughs> shrieking like the singer from <laughs> just sounded like a field of goats that's one of those things as well people don't realize like it's just as damaging for your throat and stuff if you do it wrong because mm -hmm. like because you're forcing it you know so high up your throat if you're not trying to get that resonance for that power, that's when you're just tearing up your vocal cords again. Yeah. You know, because it's usually the same if you're like being really sad and screaming into pillow. It might sound the same, but like mechanically it is quite different as well, which is the mistakes I made <laughs> early on as well. Aww. Like the next day, like, hi. You know, we've all been there, but. Mm. <laughs> I actually yeah. did that before a show once. Oh, no. I was like, the day before I had this horrible panic attack and I was like screaming into a pillow and the next day I was like, oh no. <laughs> I uh, had big to mistakes. perform. Yeah, big mistake. <laughs> what a mistake to make. So how about you turn yeah, this we'll card go for over? Yeah, the next one. Yeah. What's that? Friendship. Friendship. Ooh, Ooh. I think that's pretty good for me as well. Yeah, um, you're a very amiable guy. Yeah, pretty amiable. I am, I'm one of those people that just kind of has friends everywhere. Like, yeah. I, people think, oh, I do this or I'll work with someone and be friends with them and then they have no idea I do the music stuff for through music as well i know so many random weird people that when i'm kind of drunk and tipsy i'm very friendly as well even more so and i love meeting new people which is dangerous <laughs> when i just chat absolute shit but um yeah I, I think for me like friendship's been a really big thing which has been kind of tough the past year for everyone as well i think that's been for lots of people who rely on that for as a support network as well or even just social interaction now i don't consider myself an extrovert in fact i think i'm quite introverted and like i really value my own space so at the start it was like oh man this is great like i don't have to see people and when i'm not with people i'm not one of those people who i'm always messaging people or i'm in loads of group chats and you know i'm always talking to my friends because i'm really not you know i'll see loads of people and be great friends with them and hang out with them when i can but just because i don't really message people as well it was quite i think quite isolating at the start as well to have all those like all those friends from music, from going to gigs in London or Brighton differently, you know, because you meet people, it's, I think it was quite isolating. So I think that's really, this last year's really brought out like how important that is as well. And like you say, for a scene as well, for music, which is so disparate, that's how it survives as well. Not on the big level, but on that local level, you know, you, 
you know all the bands as well. You know all the promoters. You're probably friends with all the bands and promoters as well. And that's so, I think, so important as well to like keep it going. I don't know. I definitely get the impression from having gone to a few shows in Brighton and like having experienced bits of the Brighton scene is it's so friendly. There are so many like really cool, kind people there that like, not yeah. that it's not the case in London, but it's, um, I think in London there's definitely an element of like coolness and, and distance. Mm. And some, yeah. sometimes people will, like, um, I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's as approachable in London. Whereas if yeah. I went to Brighton, people would like come up to me and just be like, hey, and let's yeah, have a conversation. I think that's pretty endemic of London though as well. You know, it's like on the tube, everyone is like yeah. that. If you talk to someone, it's like oh, massive faux pas. Like, oh, what are you doing? Or why yeah. are you talking to me? Do you want money? Because I'm not going to give you any, you know, like. But I think in Brighton as well, it's kind of similar. I'm a bit, if someone chats me on the bus, it's like, what are you doing? Please, <laughs> I just want to listen to music. But um, yeah, gigs especially, it's such a... Brighton is small, but with a varied scene, really good doom scene and a pretty good extreme metal scene at the moment now. You've got, you know, Jackhammer promotions as well. You've got South Coast Extreme Metal as well doing really good stuff. And then Astro Noise, obviously, like their event stuff used to be whatever it was, uh, South Coast Noise Productions or something and that. You know, became Astro Noise events and they're based in Brighton. They do so many good shows. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's all based down in Brighton. You've got, you know, and it's such a vibrant city as well. It's known, I guess, for lots of people for like BIM and it's indie kids, which is obviously a massive component of it. But it's got a really good, strong punk underground as well. You know, you've got like the Cowley Club as well, put on amazing shows. You've got loads of everything from like Doom stuff and Red Anarchist Black Metal to like folk punk, you know, regularly when shows are happening. So. Yeah, it's nice. And even like noise rock, there's some weird fingers of noise rock there and like centered around a few venues. So it's mm. nice. It's good. Yeah, it's actually, mm. sorry, um, yeah. <laughs> leans into the mic to breathe. Tays on there. Excuse me. <laughs> I really want to say chocolate rain there, but, uh, but, but um, it's really funny because like, it's really interesting to hear you talk about the Brighton scene because it's yeah. a scene, I think, as someone that's always lived in London, yeah. I completely ignore it because I live in London yeah. and Brighton's just the next town over. So it's like, yeah. well, I don't need to explore the Brighton scene because I live in London. Yeah. So it's just really so, cool to hear. It's almost weird that everyone a... wants to go to London as well. Yeah. You know, that's like the peak playing, you know, if you're a small band playing the dev and then, oh my God, we're playing the Black Heart. Oh my God, we're playing the Underworld. You know, it's that like step up every single time, I think. So yeah, people want to be there. People want to be just around the corner. Like, I don't know. Brighton as well is you go out and you play and it's great and you get some really good touring bands coming through as well. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I will actively go out my way to see a band in Brighton if I can. Yeah. Because I much prefer the atmosphere at the shows. Um, like, I've seen, me and Shem drove down to Brighton to see Akakoka when they played mm. the Green Door store. Yeah. That was, like, one of the best shows. I think we've I've seen them, like, five or six times at least, probably more than that yeah. now. And that was, like, by far the most joyous Akakoka show apart Green from Dorsal maybe is such a cool venue though as oh, well. it's lovely it's so it's got such a wonderful atmosphere there and like I love the gender neutral toilets yeah. and it's just you feel so comfortable exactly. and like, like all I, the bar stuff is so nice oh there my as god well. like, yeah I remember mm. going to the toilets and I was just like I can't remember how but I ended up having a conversation with a man taking a shit in a cubicle at the same time <laughs> as you do <laughs> I was like, like talking <laughs> to a girl like some girl was like oh hey I know you and I was like oh hey and then like some guy who was like taking a dump was like oh <laughs> just chimes in like I'm here too yeah. Hiya. <laughs> we're all just standing in these like graffiti toilets with incense yeah. burning like talking about music yeah. it was great you don't really get that so Literally. much in London I think as well because it's like under the train station you can get properly loud in yeah. there 
I think the thing is as well, like when you're sound checking, nobody's in there. It can sound quite harsh because it's just a fucking brick house room, you know, <laughs> with cobbled floor. But then as soon as it's packed with people and it softens up, it sounds great too because it just soaks up, you know, the sound so well with those massive like bass bins on either side. It's so good. Such a good venue. I think the best show I saw there was, um, I can't remember if it was the same bill or not. But it was Conan and Monolord, and Ooh. fucking the bass was insane. And I've seen Conan quite a few times, obviously, you know, you see Monolord around. But that was just the best show from them. I think I've seen, like, the room was rattling. They're so fucking heavy. Conan. So fucking heavy. It's just the slowdown of Thunderhoof. It's just, oh, it gives yeah. you the stank face, like, every time. <laughs> That's when you know the riff's good, but it's when you see people in the crowd, like, absolutely <laughs> you know what a, I mean we've got Shem in the background like laughing away I love I love that yeah. we're playing because I'm just like la na na and Shem's like doing his big riffing and people yeah. are just like <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's face. like the metal duck face almost like yeah. <laughs> literally it's just on Instagram trend <laughs> stank face as a metal when the riff hits like I don't know <laughs> is it, it you always see the drummers as soon as the double kick starts and the drummers are going there like you know got the hands up, like, oh. you know it's got even if you're not drumming it's almost just yeah unanimous everywhere i like, get that sometimes my wrist starts going because i'm watching a band i'm like i don't know how to drum like, i don't know why my wrist is do doing it. this thing but, but so it's like i can't drum but fuck man on air blast like for days <laughs> yeah right. man if you ever want to see a funny image just watch like a, a death metal or a brutal death metal gig and turn the sound off and watch everybody in the front row doing the Frank Mullen um, blast it's beat always. to no sound. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Just put the Thomas great. the Tank Engine theme tune on top. <laughs> yeah, like sound signal or something. Like, so yeah. good. Yeah. Well, do you want to go to the next card? It's going to be uh, yeah. on the, on the uh, this left one? of work. Yeah. What is that? The, the Stranger. stranger. This Friendship is, this is all, stranger. I was going to say, this is pretty, I like this as well, coming back to that. I like meeting new people. Here we go. I don't know. I think that's pretty... They all tie in together as well. I think especially when you're in music, those three things are so key. It is work, but your friends are the people that you work with and you meet so many new people all the time. If you're a band and you're touring around, you know, if you're at a festival, it's the random people that you meet that actually make, you know, make that scene. And that's when you make those connections. Not that... Obviously, I'm condoning nepotism, but, as, you know, obviously everyone is going to want to support people that they like and that they know and they want to give the chance to. And I think either when you're that stranger coming into it, I think it's so important, you know, to be, you know, to almost not go in with that view of friendship, but go in with the view of being yourself and not being a dick, essentially, <laughs> is what it comes down to. Same with every walk of life as well. But then if, because, you know, everyone's been in that group and there's been that one weird guy who's come up who's been too drunk, who's been too kind of weird or creepy or overly friendly or kind of really distant but still trying to involve themselves as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you always have those people who come up and are actually really nice and actually really amicable. And you know, who are you going to want to actually bring down to see you know in your show who are you more likely to go and see who would you reach out to you say oh hey i'm doing a new music thing do you want to come and do this you know i think that's so important as well but i don't know what, what do you guys think about that see i do you know what i think you've kind of hit a bit of a nail on the head there because like whereas i enjoy the relationships i have with people that i know very well there's something i've sorely missed about being mm -hmm. 
at a festival at 3am in the morning yeah. and walking, going for a piss and <laughs> spotting a friend, no names, getting them jujitsu lesson and getting the shit <laughs> yeah. kicked out of him at 3am in the morning. I'm just like, the fuck are you doing? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm just learning jujitsu. So like, some dudes like... just fuck beating the shit out of me. <laughs> but no, and it's like, you know, I, I miss the random spontaneous interactions you have with people, which is something I would have said I hated about going yeah, to gigs Yeah, that's the same before. with me. It's like, I, because I started going to gigs when I was, you know, like a, kind of mid late teenager and none of my mates were into that sort of music and now even though i've got all my mates in music all of my regular mates still don't they don't quite get it they don't like that music they'll come down and watch me play if i'm there but um yeah so and they so i'd always just start going to gigs on my own and i was that you know kind of weird kid in the corner who was like oh everyone knows everyone you know. i was that kid too yeah, yeah. so it's uh, and it's so weird suddenly as well skip forward a few ways and you suddenly realize like oh i'm the person that almost you know that sort of person that I was watching as well mm-hmm. and it's those things it's like now I would hate that random ass kid coming up being like oh that was really good or whatever like Aww. you know but now I think it's those things that like you say that's what you miss as well and you miss those random interactions that you have with strangers and it doesn't even have to be making friends with them just those weird little interactions that you have at a show or at a festival that one conversation which you'll remember for the rest of your life but you never see that person again you never speak to them again but you know just those like defining moments that make that for you I think mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's weird how like those people seem to drop off the face of the earth like you literally never see them ever again yeah I think was that just a figment of my imagination <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah or there's like you know there's that one person who you talk to and they've been to every single show that you've been to and they know all the people that you know but you have never heard of them and you have never seen it before in your life and you know it was always just like the wrong place at the wrong time yeah as well it's like when shem remember when you said <laughs> you went to see it enslaved right and you yeah. watched when they done the three the three gigs you went to the underworld show me and you were like next to each other yeah, yeah we, both, we, both, we both heard that small motherfucker chanting yeah. enslaved like non-stop and that guy's your so just like, getting fucked up. I'm like, look at this big bull prick. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know, like... Um, I was thinking as well, on a slightly different note, that whole stranger thing, I think what it comes down to, you were saying about missing actually seeing people in person. I think that whole interaction through the internet as well, even with music stuff, because I've been thinking a lot about that whole, like, you know, parasocial interaction when even like this with podcasts when you listen to it and it's three people chatting in a room they're great because you kind of feel like you're sat on the sofa listening to them as well and i think that's going to be a weird thing for lots of people coming out of that Mm. as well because you've built up over you know a year of not actually being able to properly see people and only having for lots of people who will have met people through the internet or made friends through groups or music groups or anything like that having that actual in-person social interaction is going to be such like a make or break point as well. If they haven't already had it recently, being able to go out and meet up and all. But, you know, because having those, even those way you think you know someone, you're friends with them because you've both been commenting in the same group on Facebook for months on end together. You know, I think that's going to be such a big moment for people, especially even for music stuff, going to shows and building up a scene as well. Because we've been talking a lot about, you know, that, people's black metal group on facebook or whatever (laughs) which is its own weird little community yeah and how that you know that's kind of really fostered and built up over the past year over covid but how's that going to fare and how's that scene going to fare actually when it's allowed out into the quote-unquote the real world and the music world and shows and fans and you know competing for those spaces so 
I think that'd be interesting to see and find out in a weird way. I'll be really amused if someone from like the People's Black Metal Necro posting <laughs> comes up to me and is like, hey, hey, you're oh, in the communist group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Filthy commies. Sorry, tankies. <laughs> I apologize. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be strange because I think a lot of people will be in like the internet communication space of like talking yeah. to each other. Like in my head, it's like I'm forming a comment like in a box mm. before I speak. You can't just mute yourself as well. Like, yeah. or if someone's annoying you, you can't just mute them. There's no one friend yeah. in real life where like exactly. you're in a room with someone. <laughs> you can't just go up to them and be like, block, <laughs> block, <laughs> yeah, literally, done. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like I struggled to speak um, sentences pre-COVID. So I think like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me struggle to speak, no. Um, so like, um, like I totally had to relearn how to speak out loud again. <laughs> It's because <laughs> yeah. all my like face-to-face interactions apart from my partner and family whatever were through like a mask and screen at work which mm-hmm. is mostly old people buying some alcohol or with hearing aids in who you then had to shout through a mask oh, and a screen and the hearing aids and so <laughs> remembering to talk at a normal person volume again was a bit of a weird one for a while not just shouting at people through a mask that was i think that's going to be a Strange one to adjust properly back to in groups. My main thing is that like I can't edit my comments when I speak. So like I'm I'm like, oh, I need I need a minute to like think about my response <laughs> so I can I can say yeah. the right thing. Because I find I've always found it difficult to like socially um I, I don't know how to be like talking to human time yeah. things with the face <laughs> and the, the you know, like uh, am I doing a yeah. weird facial is this expression? An appropriate facial reaction to what you've just said? <laughs> yeah. Is my comment going to be weird? And you spent so much time focusing on like worrying about what you're going to look like as well or what you're going to say that mm. fuck you've missed the whole sentence there yeah and you can't admit to them that you haven't been listening <laughs> or like low-key disassociating through that entire conversation but yeah what you need is just a sign that just says nina is typing <laughs> just like <laughs> a little like the, <laughs> yeah hold it up i'm just standing there with, like the three dots a dot 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 yeah. loading thing you're like <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That's a really good idea. I'm going yeah. to do that from now on. Yeah, just like a little loading flag. <laughs> just like a little <laughs> wheel of the colours on the back. I'm just like... Yeah. Get one of those like little wind fans like... Yeah. <laughs> this I is my loading This is face. really useful. Helpful. I'm going to implement How this. to socialise a 101 in the metal world. <laughs> fans. <laughs> yeah, I'm just really lucky I don't live in a basement, really. Like, oh, no. You'd be one of those basement dwellers then. I would. I'd just like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> that's, that's a funny one. You kind of not... Uh, because whereas what you were saying about growing up in a scene with not many people into the same yeah. music, I'm totally the same. I grew up in Southeast London. Uh, no yeah. motherfucker was in <laughs> Yeah. Literally no yeah. one. Um, but um, it's funny because because um, where I work, where I interact with the public sometimes, mm. I forget how awkward a lot of metalheads are. <laughs> oh, and I'll my see, God. And I'll see them wearing the band shirt. Yeah. And I'll go up to them not dress like a metalhead and no. be like oh cool band shirt and they, it li- they literally look down. like I've just shat on their head <laughs> this like, they panic so, so much. much Yeah, like a guy came into the shop wearing a bolt thrower shirt and I just went oh I love bolt thrower and he just blanked me <laughs> <laughs> that's that immediate rabbit in the headlights look like this has not just happened to me this is not what I expected <laughs> I saw him also 
because I was a girl or something. They just didn't expect me to say yeah. anything, so just ignore me. But every I've done it a few times. I've been like, I love that band. I love this band. I've been like, cool shirt. Hmm. Every single time I've been blanked. I guess because all you know in that whole like I don't know if you've seen any of the <laughs> the raised by Al sketches and shit. They're like, oh, they're hilarious. Uh, they've done so many great ones. But it's like when you see a metalhead in public oh, or whatever. But yeah. I think it's so true. Like when you see someone else, you almost like you take stock, you look at what they're wearing, you look at the patches, you look at a band t-shirt and you make those assumptions. But you're also like mentally prepared to talk about what you're wearing. And you know, it's like, right, I know which patches on my jacket and I know the shirt that I've got on today. I've got my facts ready in case they question me on that. Aww. You know, it's almost like when someone blindsides you with that, you don't have that preparedness as well. You're not ready to talk about metal. You're not in that mindset, you know? That, that reminds me of that video that Jared Dines guy. He oh goes God, around yeah. and he asks people oh, wearing yeah. band shirt, oh, name three ba- three songs by that band. Yeah. And, no, and people's yeah. brains just go blank because it's just like, fuck. If people were like three Don Raid songs, I'd be like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, then literally. three of my own songs, I'd be like, oh. Exactly. <laughs> name three songs, I'd be like, I've got nothing. <laughs> got nothing, man. <laughs> What's that? English? No, not anymore. Sorry. Name three. <laughs> yeah. One, just, six, uh, count to three. <laughs> <laughs> we're not good enough there you go stranger danger don't talk to people in public <laughs> don't wear merch in public don't, don't talk do in it. public it's dangerous you might attract unwanted attention from other metalheads <gasps> <gasps> nasty creatures a lot of them you don't know what they're listening to no I don't know what they're listening to <laughs> speaking of strangers shall yeah. we turn over where are we, the next where card are we going let's next? go over here the cave. You know what? I might need to read this one. Yeah, I was going to say. Because I don't It's funny because every time you turn them, I've got to try and read them up. <laughs> it's so hard. They're like yeah. black metal logos. They're literally oh. in like the slightly fashy font as well. <laughs> Do you just mean like calligraphic font? <laughs> fash cycles. Fash. Oh, no, it's the German one. That's the it's the German calligraphy. That's when it comes out. You're like, oh, literally, I've seen this one before I somewhere. That, I thought that said Inquisition when it got turned around. Oh, no. It looks the same. And so there's a band called Friendship like that. Really? like power violence band they're fucking great <laughs> like i know I, I played drone and black metal i love all of it but all of you know anything fast or anything hella slow like i'm so into it but fucking friendship is so good they did a tour with um kurakuma oh, i think it was and that man they i i think <laughs> the band's name is friendship and i can't remember what the new one's called but the old record was called hatred and it fucks like it slaps <laughs> if you like kind of nasty power violence just riffs it goes like it oh. is one it's a yeah, recommendation. I, I do have a penchant for power violence, I must admit. Some of it Ignorant just really lyrics. hits the spot. It does, yeah. Like, Revenge is kind of like... I know they're not really power violence, but yeah. that's kind of like my go-to band for, like, really aggressive oh. and... <laughs> the edge of the... The edge of the sketch with Revenge, but it's fine. Oh, are that's they? Right. Revenge, I think... I've never I mean, listened oh, to Oh, really? <laughs> Antichrist, Genocide, Imperial, whatever, like, all of the ones. Ah. It's... I don't... They're just... I think they're very tolerant if on the borderline kind of fashy. But they're they're on the, the the fash spectrum of the fence, oh, perhaps? I think so, quite possibly. Oh, yeah. Could be. I don't know. But I don't know, man. Those wall metal riffs <laughs> do just be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> How many chromatic scales we, can we you chug like off in that? Read like a graph, you know, like the political this squares. Sort of, can like, I be like a weatherman with like fash or not fash? <laughs> so today in the black metal scene, <laughs> we've got a new front of fascism moving oh, in. Oh no, that's not what we want. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that would end well. It would just be a whole fash cloud. Just in the front. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I didn't that think about that. I'm oh, sorry. We've got the new front moving in. You've, you've named them already, you know. That's it. Well, that's low and cancelled. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the kind of storm. 
<laughs> we've destroyed any credibility we built we built up over here. Like it's I'm all gone. I'm so sorry. You're more than welcome to edit that out. I did not mean it like that. I, oh, I just did not. Well. Please keep all of that in. I just yeah. unintentionally. We're very professional. Fashed here. everywhere. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you just fashed everywhere. Oh my god. Shocking. Should we talk about the cave? I'd, yeah, go on. Okay, so you're gonna love this. The cave is the womb from where we all came. It provided safety from predatory animals and enemies. The cave card reminds us that there are times in our lives that we need security and to go back inside ourselves before we can venture out again. Oh, that's sweet. Is that why black metal like nerds <laughs> live in caves? They're scared of the outside world. I mean, there a is like safety. There's like from a the woman on the on the card. There's like a, a naked person in the fetal position holding their head. Oh man, just black metal. That's so metal. It's the most black metal thing I've heard. <laughs> I shit on black metal a lot. I do love black metal. I promise. I, I promise. But, um, it's just so easy to bully. Oh, it's so easy to bully. And we're all about that. Um, I don't know. I think that's really, that's, you know, sense of safety and security, I think is really important as well. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, without talking about as a musician or being able to play shows or, because I did the last, everyone's like, oh, what's the last show you went to before lockdown? And it was literally one that I played at where I was meant to be doing my old band and then, the drummer couldn't make it or whatever. So I, I subbed in and that was the first kind of, I think the first thing for me when I realized this is like viable as a way to do music and people will listen to this and like it. And it works for me as well, doing the all size stuff and just rocking up and playing some solo drone stuff. Cause that was just um, after I've released that split as well. So I had some, you know, fresh ideas and was actually able to play. And I think it's all well and good hiding in that sense of like comfort and security of what you know how to play and that almost you know, can go back to the safety of sticking in the genre and not doing anything new but being able to go to yourself like i can actually step out here and do this and play this and i don't have to conform to anyone's musical expectations or i don't have to conform to any you know sense of genre or anything like that having that confidence to step out of that cave and start for me a new musical venture for lots of people that's in a different album cycle or not being afraid to get a new member lose a member of a band i think that's so important mm. you know just otherwise nothing would happen it would just sort of stagnate as well and you'd end up everyone sitting in a big circle joke about oh mayhem like those are some <laughs> riffs um you know and i think that's that's how stuff moves forward not just as a genre but as people as well and everyone's had a year you know apart from those people living in worry have mostly been stuck at home in that place of what's traditionally security and traditionally a place that you come back to and i think when everyone's been pigeonholed away and forced to look at the same four walls of the house for months and months and months and months of the year you know there's i think everyone's kind of in agreement there can be too much of a good thing as well what's meant to be that place of security and like i say where you come back to when you can't actually leave there that's when it's suddenly you realize that you do need other things in your life and you do need to get out of that so i think the cave's a good one <laughs> so i always finish so awkwardly for those no, like at the end no, i'm like okay. yeah i do that all the time it's, it's like, like when you finish a presentation in school or something you're like and yeah <laughs> i do it. that in conversation I'm like yeah yeah yeah, yeah i've finished speaking so i'll say yes so you and know. other people say yeah and you just sort of have a few nods and yeah's amongst you and that's it everyone thinks the topic's kind of done yeah yeah <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's. Um. I was just going to say this. Uh, that was very well said. But I was just thinking when you were reading out the card, because <laughs> um, I mentioned the womb. Imagine if somebody, 
Just the imagine the, so wo- the, the womb, womb, right? Yeah. <laughs> what the Sorry. Womb? The womb. <laughs> what did I say? Say it again. A womb. A womb. A womb. A womb. A womb. How is this word pronounced? Imagine the womb. I'm I'm questioning my life now. How is this word pronounced? It's a womb. The womb. A womb. A womb. Oh, is it? Is it? Tomb. Tomb. So you say tomb. You don't say tomb. Oh yeah, it's the same. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't help though, because the English language is fucked though. Yes. Like if you have O U G H, you have through, cough, thou, do, bow, like oh my god, yeah, like it's alright. From the tomb yeah. to the womb. To the tomb to the womb. Yeah, okay. There, there no, we there. just love ribbon flying. Absolutely, it's alright. I'm jump, I'm jumping on this bandwagon. This oh, god, uh, fully. I, I, I deserve it. For Identify how much the weakest member of the group here. <laughs> But anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Imagine referring to, to, to your mother's womb as her cave. You're just going to hear disembodied laughter now from the background. It <laughs> was the point I wanted to make. Like, how how rough does that sound? So, where did your you mother, come from? My, my mother's cave. The mother's cave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's like some rough slang. That is, yeah. Oh god. Cool. It's all wet and slimy and dark. Oh, but, no. oh. <laughs> but um going on from your uh, point, like yeah. what this year has kind of felt like to me is a bit like um you know when you used to get the summer school holidays where you've got six or seven weeks off wherever it was and like and you get and you're bored by the end. Yeah. But after that first day at school and that routine of experiencing <laughs> something other than home life you're just totally craving it again yeah. and I think that's really how I kind of feel about the home situation at the moment or a place of security like you know there's not been enough there's been a lot of grey this year and not enough kind of black and white yeah. like experience wise just mm. nothing's happening I think you need that like if you don't have anything to make a comparison to something can only feel safe and secure if you can you know experience the otherness of it otherwise it doesn't just become anything at all it just becomes like this shitty sort of void that you exist in you know without that experience to compare it to and actually realize why something is so great you really lose that i think really quickly so i think the cave is like super psychological too like Mm. a lot of people like the thing that fucks a lot of people about being trapped at home is that they're trapped with themselves and like you're trapped with your own thoughts and like you you can't drown them out with work or going and getting drunk or seeing your friends like you've got to confront yourself yeah which is a lot of i think i remember reading something it's like why a lot of people when they go on holiday have a miserable time because they're going on they're taking themselves on holiday too so you're still you're like you're just in a different place yeah it's all the same problems all the same you just now it's sunny yeah right which kind of makes it worse sometimes yeah yeah literally I don't know, I think as well, because you kind of go down the whole allegory of the cave route as well. I was living in that whilst it must, that. it might feel safe and secure, mm. but it's not really, it is an existence. And that's basically it. It's very unfulfilling and it doesn't have much to do with quote unquote the real world and the yeah. world outside. For you, it's very real because you're experiencing it and you're existing within that, but it's still your own little bubble. And sometimes, like, the actual harshness of the world outside is too much for you to yeah, deal with. Exactly. And I think that's yeah. where that place of security comes from as well. It is a safe place you can almost live with your 
for most people, your illusions as well. Like the world is a pretty shitty, cruel, harsh, horrible place. Especially right now, Jesus Especially right Christ. Now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a child, it's kind of weird because you have that almost childhood innocence that everything's fine. And, you know, when you grow up and you look back, you realise it was still kind of fucked, but you just didn't know it. And nobody's going to tell you you're a child. Um, but yeah, especially at the moment. So I think um, COVID's actually kind of helped wake a lot of people up. Yeah. So I don't think people people were living in somewhat of a bubble yep. before this. And I don't think they realized how fucked up the world was until <laughs> yeah. they were put in a situation that is just a fraction of some of the shit that people yep. around the world have to experience. Definitely. So I think it's opened a lot of people's eyes as to, you mm. know, the world, ha I wouldn't say it's gotten progressively shitter. It's just always been shit. Exactly. That's it's just know awareness. It more now. People, yeah, literally becoming more aware of what the fuck is going on as well. I think scary, but kind of has to happen you know when you were a kid did you ever do the thing where if you're scared you put like your blanket over your head and then you feel like everything's kind of more okay mm. i i can't say i actually did no way i don't know i was a bit of a strange child i, guess. <laughs> I don't know i kind of lived i i was always i was kind of weird like i was you know as a young teenager or whatever i was reading like full-on like adult not you know not fiction non-fiction books i guess you could say about like uh what was it i think it was about you know um the former republic of yugoslavia and all like the nice. atrocities and stuff there i think i got given a book on like the ss one uh ed said that's a bit awkward uh sas oh, okay. <laughs> a bit different. different yeah very different um uh, which i was reading and that you know had pictures i think of like dead bodies and stuff in in the inside and i was like 12 or something or 11 reading that and that mm -hmm. you know that i think was probably quite a formative experience but um i for me it was never scary in a way it just never you have that disconnect it never felt real and i never felt like i had to confront any of that as well it was only until i came you know got a bit older in my late teenage years that suddenly everything was very very real and i think because i still had that disconnect as a child that's when it you know I didn't have any capacity to like deal with that. And I didn't, you know, you build up all those almost support mechanisms as well. And yeah, you know, suddenly the world suddenly became a very real, very scary place. And I had no way of dealing with that as well. So, oh. which oh, that, that's a little bit of introspection going very deep there. Is that that's when you psyche. found the warm embrace of metal? The warm no, weirdly. I'm a bit weird with how I found metal. So my parents were into punk and everything as well. And I remember when I kind of started getting into metal, my own, my dad gave me like some napalm death to listen to and i was like oh, what nice. the fuck is this <laughs> no <laughs> and then i remember being like 14 or something and listening to immortal and being like what the fuck is this who can like this music this sounds horrible it's trash and now obviously immortal like holy shit fucking so good you know but um i was getting i was listening to like the for i guess my generation at the time it was all lincoln park and bullet for my valentine so i was listening to that but then at the same time listening to like the later emperor stuff uh i guess like lord mantis and primitive man as well and all of and i think primitive man were the first like small band that i saw live as well and i'd seen some big bands and went to reading i guess and saw like whatever like metally bands they had there the heavier ones but i wasn't one of those people who started at the top and then worked my way down to the bottom i kind of started at the top whilst also one foot down right at the bottom in a weird like merzabo like <laughs> splits as well like the full of hell merzaboy stuff as well i was listening to it at the same time as like pop punky metalcore wow. as well and discovering it so it was a, a very non-linear sorry like 
non-linear progression into metal for me. And that was all very, you know, I think it was very different as well. Because, you know, with, um, I had some stuff, I think for lots of people as well, with like depression as a teenager. And for lots of people, I think metal has been a thing to help them for that. But for me, it didn't really. I found I couldn't listen to metal when I was feeling crappy, you know, because for me, that was what I listened to because I really enjoyed it when I was really happy. So my depression music was like the opposite of most people's depression music, I guess. So it wasn't like the angry, heavy, shouty stuff, you know. That was what I listened to and I was really happy and pumped, even if it was dsbm or whatever and they're like i'm so happy listening to this but yeah it was a, a weird introduction to metal for me so that's interesting mm. i can relate to quite a bit of yeah bits and pieces like um i don't know like yeah when i'm when i'm depressed i tend to listen to like really warm electronic music like marconi union and like Tycho and stuff like that um but yeah like you know i was <laughs> I don't know, I kind of like grew up in a, in a family that had like, that was dealing with immediate trauma. Yeah. So from a young age, I kind of was like, torture is a thing that happens. And yeah. I'm like five years old and like, yeah. and like, you know, my aunt can't walk down the street because like she has torture wounds. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I remember I'd, I'd go into her bookcase and read these like nonfiction books of yeah. people who had been like tortured in Nepal and stuff. And it's like, yeah in detail showing you what thumb screws look like and how, yeah. how it looks when someone's nails pulled out of their hand. Yeah, and you're there like looking at it like, oh. It's like, I was... I should, you look back and you're like, I should not have been reading this. Yeah, like... I was like eight years old, yeah. like reading this stuff. And yeah, I, I love nonfiction too. So yeah. I, I kind of see like that too. And again, like nonlinear mm. introduction to metal yeah. as well. So it's really interesting. So what did you find, um, what did you find to be your place of retreat that wasn't necessarily music? To, for me, it was not like sad boy indie music, but mm. just regular kind of like weird poppy indie stuff as well. Because it's like no thoughts, brain empty, easy <laughs> listening. You know, it's it's something that you can almost connect with easily on a visceral level without having to think about or digest or decode or anything. You can just absorb it and almost i think in that sense like wallow in your feelings for a bit which everyone does a bit um, of melancholia exactly nothing like that and i you know i think for me i don't have many of those issues or anything now i'm very happy and confident within myself and you know yeah. I, I only get better with that i think but um and having those practices in place and recognizing within myself if something's not right and knowing how to fix it and knowing why it's probably not wrong as well or not right even. Um, I think music can be a big part of that as well. But for someone who literally like lives and breathes music, it's not weirdly disconnected from that as well. Does it feel too much like work sometimes? Mm, as in like, does music feel like work? Like when you're listening to it to unwind, did no, you find yourself like analyzing? Not things? really. I, I okay. can definitely like, I'll do that. Yeah. Definitely. I don't think I'll ever not be able to do that. And that was the one curse of like learning theory on a guitar or something like that. It's like, oh, I know what they did there, like a little wink musically or whatever. But um, I'll actively listen to stuff. But no, I'll stick stuff in the background. I'm quite happy to both, I guess you can say, actively listen and unwind and just have something in the background. So people get annoyed at me because like I'll be waking up like, yeah, listening to power violence and stuff like <laughs> making my morning coffee, having a boogie. And my partner's there like, can you shut the fuck up, please? Like, I'm in bed, can you not? Aww. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's kind of weird for me, like, as a musician and my approach as well. Like, I was never a metal guitarist. I have played in metal band and 
done some punk stuff now I do this as well but I have never I've always really struggled to write those quite unquote like metal riffs as well um what I play I'm not a guitarist guitarist I love guitars I love guitar pedals I'm such a fucking pedal nerd with like my pedal board and stuff but um <laughs> you know I'm not if somebody said who's your favorite guitarist I don't know who you know I, I don't really like guitar solos I don't I'm not a shreddy guitar player I don't really like shreddy guitar or anything like that um for me it's just what I like and I like the sound of a tool to play but my influences are so weird and disparate because I taught myself guitar I had some lessons later down the line but everything I did was self-taught as well and most of that understanding and what I played came from learning some songs by ear on the internet and stuff so you know I'm not if someone said who's your favorite metal guitarist I would have no idea if someone said play your favorite metal riff I probably couldn't you know I, I don't know it's and I never really now take the time to learn songs at all or anything I just write my own stuff and I don't even have in a weird way I don't have those influences there as well and it coming back to like the cave as well I it's kind of scary for me because I don't have that place and sense of security as a musician for what I play mm. I've got the stuff that I've written but I don't have almost a home genre as a player that I can go back to and stick on a backing track and jam along to or whatever as well. So it's kind of weird. Every time I try and write something new is a bit scary and stepping out of that comfort place of the riffs that I've already written. So, yeah. That is really, really cool. Mm. Very relatable from like our end of the pond. Definitely. For sure. Um, do you so you don't have any guitarists mm. that you like, but do you feel there are musicians that you feel a kinship um, with? Kind of. I think I mean I do have guitarists I like, but as Sorry. a player and a writer, as an influence, mm-hmm. I think that's what I really struggle with. Yeah. Um I can kind of see where I get my approach from necessarily, but not as a player, like and how I play and what I play. For me, those big emotional whatever music it is, that emotional connection to it. I know I said I had that disconnect but having that almost emotional sound to it and those big chords and that's what I've always been attracted to why I really like DSBM as well because it's so emotionally charged why one of my favorite bands probably at the moment going is like Conjurer as well you know mm-hmm. yeah. so heavy but so emotional at the same time and it's not just cookie cutter like Chuck 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 they have really cool songwriting and really you know actually interesting and different emotional parts which are heavy without just going minor chord minor chord minor chord you know and that's so important for me and that approach is really key for me and i really like some avant-garde stuff as well i've been listening to lots of do you know carly malone she did um so she's like a avant-garde composition organ player as well she did a live organ piece with some I think like vocal stuff she composed and that she had Stephen O'Malley from Sono. Oh. He came out and it was all like prepared organ stuff as well. I love organ. Semi-improvised. It was awesome. Uh, Carly Malone, I think, Festival Movements, something. Cool. Very good. Um, check it out. Yeah, but that f- for me as well. And um, Sarah Devachi as well. She's a big influence for me in terms of as a improvised player mm-hmm. who works from prepared ideas which are then improvised around and what feels good or even it's I play this note for this long rather than this many times and it's to do with the time scale as well that approach is so almost formative for me it's almost quite nice in the sense saying it's actually okay to not play exactly the same thing every time it's yeah. okay to not write verse chorus verse chorus riff a 
20 times, riff B three times, you know? It, it's so thrilling to yeah. improvise as well. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt No, you. no, no, of course. I was going to say it's really freeing, but again, very scary. That's kind of part of the, the enjoyment, yeah. right? Is like, going, oh my God, what if I just do something ridiculous and it sounds mm. terrible and I squeak or like some weird, horrible clash happens, but like the feeling you get during and after is like so incomparable yeah. compared to just performing a song you've it's prepared. It's very, you finish and you just sit down and you sit there and it's just like, that's it. It's very almost mellow yeah. in a way. And when I did, uh, when I recorded Sisters, uh, the last thing I did, that was the same. That was the first take all in one sitting, just wow. rolled live. And that I almost played five minutes in to kind of regain conscious 20 minutes later, having played like 15, 20 minutes of music. And, you know, when you're in, I guess, I think you called it that flow state or whatever, but there's no awareness of time. You're just completely, wholly, mentally, physically focused on what you're doing. And I think that's when it strips away, you know, that those fears that you have and you step out of that sense of security as a writer, as a musician, as a player, as a songwriter. And that's for me when I have that emotional connection, not when I'm mentally involved in it but when that is what i'm doing it's almost like a state of being as well you know i'm sure if you've experienced that as musicians as well it's and it was suddenly scary about 20 minutes in like i say i kind of regained consciousness and i'm like oh no i've got (laughs) i've got 10 minutes what was i doing and then you know it's like kind of dive back in but it i say regain consciousness because that's literally what it felt like it felt like waking up from almost like a trance that you're yeah a state of being in so yeah, you kind of have to confront yourself, but then also kind of kill yourself, like yeah. step out of the cave. Yeah, definitely. And just like burn up in the sun. Exactly. You've got to yeah. be prepared to put yourself and it's finding that right balance between fear and adrenaline, but mm-hmm. also inspiration as well. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're in that sense of security, you will never, ever, ever reach that point where you just go. But if the fear is overwhelming and it is too much, you will never, ever feel comfortable enough to let yourself go because you'll be too scared holding yourself in to do something wrong as well. So it's that finding that balance between inspiration, fear and confidence as well that, you know, will let you as a performer or even as a person as well, just relax and let go and have the confidence that you will be good enough to achieve what you want out of it. So you said there was, um, there's roughly a six month gap between the split you did with Normac in the yeah. um, and the sisters track you've mm. recorded, yeah. so how um, did your approach differ between like the two tracks? Because um, I think so, there's a market like it, the sisters is so much more co- cohesive to me. Yeah, I think it's definitely much more. There's a clear for me a clear progression in me as a songwriter as well. So I think lots of that the style is very me. When I listen back to my old band with Sundera, when I listen back to my songwriting for that it's still very me to my ears anyway. And I think weirdly the split, the you mistook the stars, that bit of a Witcher reference there for the nerds amongst you. Um, That is actually kind of strangely disconnected from me as a songwriter. And that was me trying to do something different. And I, I love it. And I've had so many people who have told me, you know, that's the one for them. Okay. But weirdly for me that still feels a disconnect as a songwriter as a player because that one there's three separate guitars there's a bass recording i went back you know i double tracked i 
did all the stuff. And for me, it's there and the sound is there, but it doesn't have that emotional connection and the soul. The vocals, yes. Mm. Uh, and that was quite a very difficult period in my life as well. Even before COVID, last year was very shitty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, that was kind of a sense of release, which I think you really do get from the vocals. Playing guitar, it's playing guitar. It doesn't matter how loud you are. Even when you step on that, for me, that bass pedal and the floor starts rumbling, you don't have that physical, visceral connection with vocals, which I'm sure both of you are <laughs> nodding along. If you're doing harsh vocals as well, there's nothing quite like it physically yeah. as well to feel that. Even if you're drumming and hitting something, it's not the same as feeling that inside you, that, you know. So as a songwriter, it's almost for me a return to form. Um, from what I was writing before. I set out, I said to myself, okay, I've done a 15 minute track. Weirdly, the first thing that came first was I want to do a half an hour track. That's, I'm gonna set out, that's what I'm gonna do. And I had everything that I was working on. I had those different ideas, which I've been writing and coming up with. And it's okay, how do I make this work together? And that's, I think, where the improvisation comes in. I've got those set ideas, but it's, at the time, what feels good to link them? What feels natural as a progression that will sound good? And, you know, some of the transitions in there are kind of weird, but they work because that's what felt good at the time. And I would never, if I was trying to sit down and write that, I'd never have thought of it, you know? And I think what helps as well was having that idea for me as a direction. I wanted to go down that more, not ritual route, but kind of devotional image and root for me because having that connection for me that's what I imagine it to be like as well so and that and it's the same with the name for that and the cover art I don't do it to make a statement I think because it inspires and provides inspiration both as a listener and for me as an artist you know keeping that in mind and keeping that particular feeling combining that all together between what I've written and being there in a time and having that sense of inspiration. I think that's why it probably feels more cohesive. Um, and to me, it feels like you say a much more both return to form and a clear progression in that songwriting. So. And we're back in the room. Hi. We're talking about spectral law and Spectral voice, voice, spectral wound, spectral things. Is it spectral voice that's blood incantation? It's the same guy just making sludgy death doom, and it's fucking great. Yeah, this is what I was was making the differentiation between the different spectrals Mm. last episode. So, yeah, spectral voice is basically blood incantation. Yeah, spectral lore is the Greek one man project, who is absolutely amazing. Ten out of ten. Like. And then Spectral Wound, who are the, the, the darlings of the underground scene at the moment, the yeah. Canadian band. They're, they're great. I really like their new album as well. But I that Spectral Law one with Meg Huggington is just unreal. It's next like level, yes, amazing so black good. metal. Just so, so the label which I'm on, the Sonic Transmitter, which is the guy who is Normag Cameron. He's the one of the two that runs uh, Sonic Transmitter. Ah, nice. And then our, so his recent split that he did with Narrow, there, um, he's a guy in the US who's also part of the label, but he literally sent a message to our group being like, oh my God, you've got to check this out. And it was the new like Spectral Law Mayor Cognitive one. I'm like, yes, somebody else knows about this. Like, <laughs> this is so good. Like American guys getting in on this. That's yeah. when you know it's good. Like such a good record. Yeah, no, it's great. You're talking about Wanderers, right? Astrology of the Nine. Or you, I think so. Possibly. Yeah, I think that's the, the most yeah. co- recent collaboration. Yeah. Mm. It's just, 
amazing. I, I have such a thing for like, even though I know a bit biased being my own like one man kind of band, I have such a thing for like one man bands and even two piece bands where it's one person's the drummer, one person does the melodic stuff. Just because I think you really get a sense of like that person's vision um, musically and aesthetically as well. It's all, you know, everything is so cohesive because it has to be because it's coming from one person. Yeah. You know, the, the great thing about bands is you're adding all the elements from the different members in there. But I love when you get that really clear view and approach from one person as well. I think it just feels a bit different to me anyway. I think it feels more intimate at times because, you know, it's like, because I think when you're in a band, you get in a clash of sort of styles and sounds and results that that can't happen individually. So it's like a, it's almost like a, you know, a force and a team effort. Whereas individually, you know, you like exactly like you said, you're just, it's just so much more intimate and you feel like you're actually getting a look into that person's psyche. Yeah. And you're not, I think you're not, even in a band sense, you're not waiting around being like, oh, here's this riff, we're going to play this minor chord and now we're going to do the chuggy bit. You know, it's like, you you don't have to explain to anyone. You intimately know what you're writing. You intimately know what you're getting at. You know what will work and what won't within the context of what you're writing and what you're trying to work towards, you know? There's no trying to put into words the feeling that you're trying to get when you're writing a piece to your band members. Mm. And, you know, even as a vocalist as well, it's you might have one idea of what the track embodies and where the lyrics are going to go and what the melodies are going to be. And the rest of the band are like, no, no, this this makes us think like this. You know, we've been writing it, so it should sound like this, I think. So it, it's definitely like a sense of freedom as well. It's scary because you don't have anyone to bounce up ideas and you're working from that clean slate, but you, you're unrestrained in what you can do because you don't have to explain it or even justify it to anyone. Well, on that note, Shall we have a little look at the cards? Let me um, explain to you the positions of the cards and how they relate to you, the Inquirer. So the Inquirer is always in the middle and it kind of works um, geographically. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically these two things on either side inform you. They're like the most direct and closest things to you. The cards on the top are where you're going. So this is coming to you in the future. And then the cards on the bottom are things in your past that inform your present. So this is the present, that's the past, that's the future. If we do do the diamond formation, you've kind of got more stuff in your present that's like more coming. I think this way is like more immediately stuff from your past moving away. This is what you're moving towards. This is your end goal, like the most potent end goal you have and the bottom is the thing that informs you driving towards your end goal. So work is like a very a very poignant kind of centerpiece for you, especially with like, you've got all the symmetry going on. We always get some really cool symmetry doing this. Yeah, you've this got like the stranger really, in there. I think for me as well, even with that in mind with work is me at the center and then those are the two things that kind of make me tick. That's yeah. that it's genuinely exactly like that for me as a person. You know, I really thrive with my friends and all my different friendship groups and that collaboration, but at the same time, meeting new people and those new experiences and putting myself out there that's so pertinent to me as not just a musician you know um but as a person so i think that's really and in the future coming out of the cave as well yeah the cave yeah. of my house <laughs> from covid yeah yeah so it, i think it's really it's already hit the nail on the head it's gonna, i'm interested to see what it's going to come up with next would you want to turn over another it? card it would be this one 
So you kind of go in like. Um, so this is from the past. Ooh, do you oh, want no. to talk about this? Talk you about you about don't have to. Family trauma. Yeah. <laughs> like, or, um, I don't know. Might be a bit personal, but okay. definitely some family trauma with my father. Um, not in a, a weird way. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's actually been. I, I guess I don't really like to admit, and I say that, you know, before emotionally that music's had that not disconnect as well but like I was saying that was directly related to when You Missed Up the Stars when that came out I think that was so different as well in for me as a songwriter and trying something new musically that it was quite a traumatic time for me and for me that was a way of dealing with a situation which I'd never ever encountered before and I'd never you know like I was saying when you're an adult and you have those the skills necessary to deal with traumatic events or your psyche or any mental health issues you know what to do that was a situation which I'd never ever come across in you know my childhood in my adult life um even in uh the context of my relationships so for me I think that is definitely reflected in the music and it's so different and it was a way of me trying to find a way to cope with this really I guess yeah you could say like traumatic experience for me at that time so, which I definitely for me, like that vocal thing I was saying when it, that physical, visceral, guttural feeling, I basically did that whole one in the shed, like at the bottom of my garden as well with my aunt. Um, and just like a cheap, shitty 57, like knockoff mic, which definitely adds to the feel of that yeah. for the vocals as well. The whole black metal in the shed thing. Um, but yeah, I think for me that it makes perfect sense and moving away from that into the future as well that's especially now that i have to face the reality of the world opening up and i can't not ignore problems essentially but it's a lot more difficult to almost cut things out in a healthy way mm. and i think musically that's going to be something who you know my dad was such a a formative figure for me for my music was always very supportive actually with anything i wanted to do and he you know like i say really like punk and metal stuff but occasionally come back and catch him listening to some emperor occasionally whatever I'm like oh this is actually really good i'm like i know right and it's a weird way for us to connect now when i find some old stuff or like punk stuff happening in brighton it's like oh there's this band in this place which i played at which he was at that gig whatever you know 20 years ago and knew that band or knew those people so it was um i think moving forwards that kind of musically out from that I guess you could say almost like a shadow of a figure and expectation for music and almost coming out of that cave of security of support there, I think will be the next thing for me as well. And I think this is where my Ulzara as well, the focus of it is me pushing myself as an individual, as a musician away from that mm. security, both of what's expected of me as a musician and yeah, almost like that combining all those different pieces, which is, I guess, influenced me as a, a musician and a writer and a songwriter and going into the future. It's the first thing which has fully combined all of those influences, familial, uh, musically, aesthetically. So, yeah. That's a very good way of tying it together. Mm. I feel um, through talking to lots of different people, through personal experience, often after trauma, we can feel people can feel strangers to themselves and you go through a period of kind of self-discovery again when you're healing did you find that um yourself? i think actually in a way all it 
the main thing it did for me was affirm the fact that I am. He's off. Sorry. He's off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for me, just to finish up with that, it just um, it affirmed that I'm happy with myself and I'm genuinely happy with the direction that I'm taking Amazing. with everything. It was less discovery and more. This is yeah, exactly, completely more affirmation, and it's okay to do this, and I'm going to be perfectly fine with that, and I'm happy with myself, not just with what I'm doing, yeah. with where I'm going, but also as a musician, and I'm very lucky to have what I have, and it definitely, I guess, tested some things with like my mental health or my approach to life, but in the end, it really did make me realise that I am actually genuinely happy with lots of points in my life which I never would have appreciated or even questioned before so mm. scary but affirming I'm glad that you're okay yes. at the end of it all me too yeah Very well done congratulations, congratulations you got through me. you got there you're out the cave <laughs> we did it <laughs> out the... I believe the next card is this one here that one there yeah. do you want me to turn it over or do you want it up? absolutely you can reach yes 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 so this is like mainly an affirmation of like, if there's something that you're thinking about for your future and you're not sure about it, yes. Yes. Is there anything that springs to mind? Yes. Go ahead. Um, I think for my future as well, it's being sticking to, for me in the future as well, I've got a lot of ideas to talk musically about what I want to do for the follow-up for Sisters. Um, do some recording in a church. There's a cool art centre which has been like converted to a church in Brighton. Want to get into that, fill Amazing. it with a load of amps. Yeah. decent good backline um and it's just that i've got lots of ideas of where i want to take it but again it's like with everything coming out of that cave it's just actually having the balls to step up and say yes i can do this and it's okay to do this and i don't need anyone to tell me that i can do this so it's a pretty good sign to actually just say yes and put into practice those ideas which i've been thinking about for a while it doesn't necessarily have to be you know the music and the riffs or however I want to do it. It's just even like the format, the layout, the art, the uh, the direction I want to take it as well. Building off that, not spiritual, but almost kind of like I was saying before, devotional and that ritual sense that you can get and inspiration through the music. And like I was saying before, the whole point of the, the sisters cover art and the sisters, um, even sisters in arms, brothers in Christ, you know, it immediately makes people think it provides that inspiration and a, personal context for people to that music as well so um and when at the time when it when i was kind of writing it and doing it there was all of the uh the stuff in poland as well about women's rights and mm. i for me that was quite a, a you know a connection for that that was for me one of the personal connections i had with that um in the sense of obviously poland being a on the paper secular country but actual impracticality uh, you know, right-wing government, which is interchangeable with the church and control of state media and everything like that as well. And the obvious at that time when it was coming out, the f forcing on of women's rights as well, um, surrounding the right to your own body as well. So uh, th that was, for me, the whole, like, sisters and arms, brothers in Christ was representative of, I think, the struggle, which I think a lot of people were going through at that time, whether it be uh, women or either trans men or non-binary people with uh, the same equipment. Um, mm -hmm. 
as well. You know, it's a struggle that everyone has a part to play in it. And for me, that was my connection to it at that time. But I think just saying yes as well, and it's okay to not have it on paper, a really instant, immediate, clear and apparent statement of intent with something. You know, that's what it means to me, but it might mean something completely different to someone else. And if that inspiration provides that sense of experience and not to say transcendental or anything, but even just it provides the influence or inspiration to have that experience themselves whilst listening to it, then great. Cool. I like that. Mm. You were um, hinting at the like reason you called yourself all sire. <laughs> So I think that's to do with lots of different reasons. Um, so I've always really enjoyed, I'm not religious and I'm, I guess you could say in a wanky way, vaguely spiritual. Um, but for me, it's more of a means to, again, individual experience and allowing you to find focus in something which you might not necessarily find it. And I don't necessarily prescribe to harsh religious dogma or anything like that. And I do feel that that's quite counter um, constructed to lots of people even you know the whole like metal is a religion thing it has its own language it has all of that um and for me drone metal is a really big embodiment with that you've got om you've got sun sun being indicative you know with the live shows the robes whilst it serves as a whole disconnect between um the performer and the performance um as a musician you know it also definitely does them in robes in smoke drinking wine on stage for anyone who's grown up within that almost christian catholic protestant anything society it's going to be highly indicative of any sort of uh you know ritual and performance black metal you have black metal rituals um doom and drone again with om you have that whole idea of ineffability and a sense of otherness that almost a kind of perverse mystifying of like the middle east as well um which the appropriateness of that is obviously something which is always going to be up for discussion but I think for me, it's uh, that almost connection to it and interest in spirituality or the sense of ritual and purpose and a vehicle towards experiencing that ineffable thing, whatever that is for you and your personal goal, uh, physically or spiritually, musically in life. Um, it came down to that fascination and you have the Messiah, the person who brings that inspiration, that knowledge, um, and then also because I'm hugely nerdy, you've got in Warhammer and stuff, Ooh. you've got like the Omnissiah, which okay. is, again, that comes from that same inspiration. You've got the machine god or whatever. Mm. So I think that introduction to that idea that you can use this uh, suffix essentially of you know, sire, S-I-H, and the derivative of it and where it's derived from with Omni for all or everything. So for me, it's... Uh, kind of like Omnissiah, Allsire, again. So it's someone who provides that clarity and inspiration to, in a very uh, egalitarian sense as well, which isn't mired in dogma or elitism. Mm. You know, it can provide to anyone an inspiration or clarity through, again, that guidance through image or music. So. I really like that. That's, that's really interesting to me. Um, one of my favourite thinkers, uh, Alain de Botton, he's written a lot about ritual and religion. Mm. 
and how sort of the death of religion in like the 1900s yeah. has led to all this tribalism um, in terms of music and yeah. film and people are into their things and like the rise of obsession with famous people because mm -hmm. we don't have rituals yeah. anymore. So that celebrity cult status because the yeah. whole emphasis being cult status. Precisely. We're into our cults. We've mm. become kind of like very Greek in ways yeah. of like having our little Bacchanalian cults and we've got our Jordan totally. Peterson cults yeah, of like the Cetus. cultural and... pantheon, essentially. Precisely. So. We've got your Kim Kardashian mm. and you've got like, you know, your uh, Necro Butcher. I don't know. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah, we've got all these people, these prophets, as you, as you rightly kind of mm. imply, um, that we can take our inspiration from and, you know, go on our own journeys and archetypes as well yeah. so i think that's really powerful i think you know you're on you're onto something and it's really amazing when you can find that in music because it is Definitely. as you say not mired in dogma a lot of the time mm. yeah. which on the one hand as well like that's why i don't like getting drawn into the whole genre conversation mm -hmm. because whilst it is good to describe something you then also have each one has its own little niche culture surrounding it as a not just a musical sheer here is what is being played and these are the musical tropes you know you have the whole culture and um community surrounding it which You've got I, like a subtext exactly yeah. yeah you have a whole subtext and uh if I'm trying to think of a word now <laughs> sorry <laughs> no no uh you have a whole you know you almost kind of infer exactly what someone's going to be like in there not just what the music they listen to the culture they want what their political views are what their social characteristics are like even hell you know what someone's going to drink it's, yeah and what they yeah. wear like yeah. it's all yeah once you say a genre everyone just applies those yeah. things to you like a template and sometimes i guess that can be quite inaccurate mm. yeah yeah um listening to um your music specific, specifically uh, sisters it's mm. um it's a real soundscape you know and mm. i think it's a good reflection of everything you kind of talked about and how like you know it's not necessarily um, one specific musical idea. It's an amalgamation of numerous things and it comes across really well, I think. Thank you. It's, yeah, I, I really try not to get stuck down in trying to do one thing. It's almost applied post-production. This is what I've done. These, this is the easiest way to describe it to people. I haven't set out to make anything in a certain mold, so... Well, 10 out of 10, you're on the, you're doing it. You're doing the thing, yes. Getting out there, making the thing. It's a bit weird, but people seem to like it. Damn right. Should we try the, uh, this old, yes. Never. No. We're getting some great comparisons here. <laughs> yeah, some serious symmetry. I think, yeah, I, that's, I'm assuming this is the antithesis to yes. It is, yeah. And this is, you know, your past as well. So it's, in a way, it's positive that that's behind you. Mm, I think that's really good in the future to have yes and in the past to have no mm. and it's kind of kind of almost like also in symmetry of your father as yeah. well so that may be exactly actually... i think yes coming out of that sense of safety and security and in the past saying no and being stuck behind that and you know there are so many things which uh almost living in the shadow of fear of what i could do and what i shouldn't do because the fear of disappointment or that's not what's expected of me or yeah i just shouldn't be doing this um whereas now in the future coming out of that sense of security and realizing that actually no i can do this this is my life and i have the choice to do this and create and live how i want mm -hmm. with that 
um, has been really good. And I think that whole never thing as well. It's I was so constrained by can I do this, can't I do this, rather than it doesn't actually matter whether I can or I can't in the sense of whether people like it or listen to it or whether I, you know, this is an appropriate thing to be doing rather than actually now just saying, fuck it, yeah, I am going to do this. I'm, I'm going to book shows. I am going to just turn up at this all-day black metal festival like and play black and drone or whatever and cater to almost that field. So yeah. I think that's what's really nice about having those different influences. Uh, it was the same in my past band, you know, weird. We played everything from doom shows to black metal shows to like a punk squat and whatever show we were playing we got described differently to that audience aside oh this is crusty black metal oh this is black and doom oh this is doom with black metal you know, all of that this is more black metal this is more doom this is crust you know it's i think having that breadth of almost inspiration and ambiguity it's really useful in that sense because you can turn up to that doom show and play like a really drone inspired set you can turn up to that post one and stick on a shit ton of reverb and everyone will lose <laughs> their minds you know it it really lends to being able to fit in and out and take whichever hat is required you know and i think there's something in there for for lots of people you know i have all the black metal kids who listen to it saying oh man this reminds me of uh lights being by trees or something like that or the drone people are like oh my gosh this reminds me of you know godspeed your black emperor or something like that so it's weird how whatever people's background is, they hear different components of their music. So, hmm. yeah, it's um. So you're booked on for quite an interesting uh, one day, right? Coming up with a uh, forest of stars. Yeah, heading it and uh, Kaina. 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 I think it's Kaina because they zoom out over the eye. I don't. Like naive, yeah. so Kaina. Yeah, Kaina. Kaina. I guess. Yeah. I think that's going to be an awesome one because it's literally speaking to Dinko um, about it as well. And he said, oh, man, yeah, we want to get like a really good breadth of black metal and stuff on there. So Forest of Stars, obviously really cool, like atmospheric black stuff. But there's Adder who are doing some really cool stuff, you know. And the, the great thing for me was because I didn't know when I was put onto it that kind of would be there. And the great thing about his stuff is that he is just another solo musician who turns up with just him. Mm. which for me was almost it was kind of scary to be the only person showing up it's like that one man act without a drummer who does this something slightly different and it's almost affirming because having him there people are going to go there almost with that expectation you know of one man band something a bit different which is really nice and yeah i think that line is going to be really cool because there's some a really good like black death band on there you've got atmospheric black metal you've got like doom black metal it's just a really big showcase of everything that like this genre has to offer that's not just cookie cutter, second wave, weak ass riffs, you know? <laughs> no offense. But... <laughs> and that's at the Green Door store as well. Yeah, so, Green yeah. Door store in Bryson. Yeah. So, which I always seem to keep coming back to the same venues. But it's a good damn good venue. It is a damn good venue. So, yeah, we'll see what, see what COVID wants to do with that one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that's a great kind of bill to be on because I reckon a Forest of Stars are one of those groups that have quite a wide breadth in terms of a demographic anyway, because they yeah. are someone, uh, an act who are so different and varied. And so, yeah, I think that would be quite a, might even have to pop along to that one myself. Yeah, I really like Forest of Stars. I actually saw them play the Unicorn like 10 years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I I'm, think, I'm assuming yeah. it was ten years. I don't know. I, don't, I was I was human. Uh, I was human. I, I was going to say my age. I was going to say my age, and I was embarrassed. You just so, said I am human. I am. <laughs> so I just said human. I was human. My brain just went so human. <laughs> it was like beep boop. Uh, I was three thousand human Earth days old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a non-story. A well, slip hey. of the tongue there. Sorry. Yeah, I, I think I saw them open for it was a really quite a funeral doom heavy bill. It was Bell Witch. Ooh. No, Esoteric headlining. Nice. Then Bell Witch, Forest of Stars were there, and someone else was there. Sorry to the other band, because I can't remember who else it was, but it was a damn good lineup. The hoodie that you came away with from that show <laughs> is so nice. Such a good hoodie, I oh, know. I, know. I remember, like, other, I think it was like the day after you came to work and you were wearing a Bellwitch hoodie, and I was like, oh, it was so good. Yeah, it was just hoodie. like just a few months, I think, after Mirror Reaper came out as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, was one of those like formative releases for me, I think. Mm. I think the two bands for that, in terms of the funeral doom drone stuff for me, it was like them were just amazing like instrumentation from just one weird i think it's like a six string bass or something ridiculous Damn. but amazing as a two-piece and then um body void as well who are getting really big now i think but yeah. i discovered their i think it was swan uh one of the the first like record they did it got recommended to me at a record fair like years ago i was like oh this looks cool people who like primitive man like this and it would blew me away like that blend of absolutely crushing just sound and then with some crusty stuff. And then now the new, uh, I think Willow from them, their new side project, uh, Hellish Form as well. That's like fucking awesome drone funeral doom stuff as well. So those, and I think the Hellish Form thing came out midway through last year or 2020 even, it could have been. And that as well, that was such a big like influence to me as a songwriter now, especially just hearing that absolute heaviness in sound and tone which you don't really get from a lot of those like drone metal bands. Bismuth, maybe, Carnate, maybe, but just like in a modern day setting, amazing. Cool. Yeah, yeah it's good to good mm. to hear more of like that background that you've got for yeah. sure. Would you like to absolutely reveal one of the money cards? So this yeah. is kind of where you're going. This is one of your informing forward forces that you've got. So yeah, feel free to. The liar! Oh, no. I thought it was the fool again. I thought it was 100% <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Lose my shit. <laughs> well, I'm going to read you the liar. It's not as bad as you think. Okay, good. Don't worry. This is, this is a performance card. Because, you know, the, the jester is the one who can say what no one else can say because of who they are and where they are. Um, and also, like, when you perform, you're, I don't know about you, but often a lot of people are not themselves when they perform there and like you know they're wearing a mask and a lot of being in a band is, is wearing different masks and presenting yourself in a certain way that isn't like always the happy-go-lucky like lovely person that you are right so that's a big part of the liar let me what number is he 29 i'll read him to you so you that so you can uh hopefully relate mm -hmm. So it says, masks are to disguise, frighten, or impress the viewer, or to protect the wearer, or to turn them into something else. Masks are personalities. We all put on a face to meet the faces we meet. We, need, we all need protective makeup in social situations. Our inner selves are vulnerable and need camouflage or armour. The danger is that we cannot distinguish from the inner and the outer. 
We develop, that's a chair. We develop complex characters for ourselves that become petrified and do not allow the inner self to breathe. When the mask cracks, there can be stress or even breakdown. The liar card is a warning, is warning us that we are not being true to our inner natures. Okay, maybe it's not as good as I am. Um, first anticipate. So first, I think that you can have that good anticipate, like good interpretation mm. on it for sure. Um, but again, like, you know, I think this is another thing. This is my interpretation is that a lot of performers face it. Sometimes we can get lost in those personas or we can get lost kind of obsessing over how we're perceived. And that is always that can be a path down to those cracks forming. In mm, Exactly. Yeah. I think for me as well, not just as a performer and fulfilling that role as well, that ties into those century cards, the, the stranger and the friendship one as well as someone who has lots of different friendship groups in many different walks of life i you know it's one of those things that you come across differently for every single one and you will definitely always have for me as well like some character traits which are present throughout all of them you know you've got that it's all the same person to all your friends and the people that you know but definitely some of those different characteristics will naturally come to the forefront when you're with different groups of people and i think now getting to the point where you you have interacted with so many different groups individually or one-on-one, especially over the last year. I think coming in the future and all of those coming together, I think that's probably where the tension will be. It's not so much the liar, and I don't think it's so much hiding behind a mask. Mm. It's those different aspects of your personality almost coming together, coming to a head. And um, yeah, it's, none of them are essentially wrong, but none of them are the full truth for it. And lots of people don't see a full scale of you as a person. You know, they only see one characteristic of you. They might see you at work as a fellow employee. They might see you as a musician up on stage or that person that they've jammed with a couple of times, you know. But it's when you put all of those together that I think that's when it, the stress can kind of build up as well. Because you, you feel like you have to maintain all these different, not personalities, but different aspects of yourself mm-hmm. rather than just say, you know, accepting the fact that that's who you are fully as a person and behaving appropriately for yourself rather than how you think everyone thinks you should behave have you seen that um image of like there's like this cat and it's it's wearing like three different outfits and it's like trying to hold something in one hand it's got like and, and like the caption is like me trying to maintain all five of my personalities when i'm in like when you're interacting with multiple friend groups yeah because you've got like a different kind of energy level that you mm. you can i think that's how i feel as well yeah i definitely yeah i get that like on, on like a birthday when you invite like five different friend groups and you're yeah. like oh i'm this friend to you guys and i'm this other friend to you guys and you're just kind of like multitasking yeah we have one sorry no, 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 super fucking stressful i hate it so we have one zoom call over over lot of them where it's like have been organized by my partner for me for like my birthday or something where all my different friendship groups are then interacted with were all on one call and I didn't know it. So when I'm on there expecting one group oh. and there's all those different oh. groups, oh. It, there's that solemn panic of like, oh, wait, do they all know the same me? <laughs> Which it was, it was fine, obviously. <laughs> but it's when it's sprung on you like that, it's so yeah. stressful because it's like, oh my God, what if I'm different with other people? You mm. know, I think that's, and I think like you say, as a musician and a performer, that, aspect of you that's one of those aspects it's not like you're turning something off you're not lying to people with that presentation of yourself it's just a very narrow slim aspect of your personality which comes through um which 
it's important to recognize that is only a facet of your personality. I think as a performer, it can be very easy to get wrapped up on that image and that persona to the point that it does build into a whole mask. It's like you base your whole personality and your whole approach to performer and your musician and then which then extends to after the shows which then extends to your fans and your you know now especially at the moment your social interactions on social media that tiny what was like a slither of personality has now become this whole basis for what you think of yourself as a person that interacting as a musician so i think it's just probably going to be recognizing that coming out of like lockdown and being more active as a musician and not allowing that almost to take over because it's all well and good being serious on stage but don't take that into everything so i think it's important to be yourself and i think people can see when you're not authentic and i think authenticity is a big thing for me it's something which i've looked at a lot through university and my discussions and as an artist um and in an academic sense as well is there's some really interesting research into it so for authenticity there are different types of authenticity you have type authenticity uh, it was described in a research paper as basically like beer. You've got, is it authentic in the fact that it's made in an authentic sense? Is it authentic because it's made for the purpose of what it was meant? Is it authentic because it was made in a particular location? And people are aware and can differentiate these types of authenticity. Yeah. You can't be Norwegian black metal if you're English from England. You might be playing authentic Norwegian black metal, but you are not authentically Norwegian black metal, if that makes sense. Yeah. Your music may be authentic, and you're making an authentic artifact, but you yourself will not be authentic if you're trying to present yourself as that. If you're um, Norwegian and you're yeah. doing, then in England, exactly. then it's authentic, right? Yeah, So exactly. is that one type? or is Exa- that... I think that's type. Okay. Uh, or that's a location or like geographical authenticity, yeah. but which yeah. is obviously slightly disconnected. But it's, yeah. Um, whereas that's really interesting people are able to differentiate and evaluate all those different types of authenticity individually of each other and it's when something conforms to all those types of authenticity that's when it's successful in being authentic and for different people some of them might be more important some others might be less important that's completely fine depends on the person you might not give a shit where a band's from if they're making this great ass music or you might be like this band can't call itself you know new york hardcore they're not from new york it's a weird one. It can be quite elitist in a sense, but obviously there are people like that. Um, the other interesting part of research is whilst people can differentiate the types of authenticity, people struggle to determine what is authentically put forward as the truth. Yes. And how important authenticity is past the point of people actually believing if it's authentic. If they believe it's authentic, it doesn't have to be. It's when you see those guitar amps with walls of speakers, but they're just the empty speaker stacks, you know? So I think it's really interesting having that facade of authenticity to m- most people is more important than actually being authentic, even more so in, you know, a small connected underground scene. So I think that's really, there's so much there that you could unpack. The, the first thing I thought of when you started talking about that is like, I can totally see how a lot of stupid things have been said by people because yeah. they haven't made the decision to like disconnect their yeah. stage persona from their IRL or their internet persona, and then they end up saying stupid things. People like will act as if they. I feel like maybe like Nurgle is an example. Yeah. Like he will just say and do things to to make like a ruckus because he feels like he's got to do something or he's got to make some dumbass post or like some weird comment about something. And um, 
he does it well. I don't think he he's good. I don't think he he's good for doing it, but he does it well in that you can tell. I feel like me and you could probably be like, I don't really buy this, but I think a lot of people would in that same kind of speaker stack way because a lot of people don't know about the empty speaker stacks yeah. that were so common. So the common. point that it's authentic to them is the point that it's valid and nobody right. will ever see past that because it's tick that checkbox. Yeah, this is authentic. This feels real to me mm. without actually questioning what that real is. So... And then you've got like mm. the breakdowns, yeah. the like celebrity breakdowns, <laughs> which you get in metal as well, where someone's like, but this is who I am. And everyone worships me when I'm like this, when I'm in front of lots of people. So I'm just going to say this crap mm. because I've been given this authority through adoration, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily where you're going no, <laughs> with I, this I card. I certainly <laughs> hope I'm not, but I think... It's definitely something in the future to be aware of as well. Yeah. And coming out and from all of that interaction over the internet is, I think people will say a lot of things because there's no repercussions because it's just there. It's very easy to type some words onto a screen, mm -hmm. click send, and that's it. It's very disconnected. So I think coming out of that and almost relearning how to appropriately react socially we were saying earlier you can't you can't edit something you've already said like you can a comment <laughs> yeah. or something so and that's exactly it you know it's yeah. owning up to how to behave again <laughs> um, yeah i think um things are going to be quite joyous when they do resume because one thing i've always noticed is there almost seems to be like um dueling realities at the moment you've got stuff that happens online and stuff that happens in the real world and people are so so much more negative online than they appear to be in the real world. Like even if you take the microcosm of the metal scene and you look at people chatting shit to each other and being elitist online, but then you go to a show and there's none of that. There is literally mm. barely any of that. I mean, it depends what sort of show you go to. Cause yeah. I mean, I know you, you know, are at the show. Yeah. yeah. Very <laughs> true. Um, name free. <laughs> name three. Name free things. <laughs> <laughs> name three things right now. Name three things. Hey, three shows. Uh, 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 show. uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fuck shit balls. <laughs> Correct. You're yeah, a poser. Nice. Oh, you God. may enter. Yeah. You may have entry. Yeah. yeah. Name the three bands on the belt. <laughs> yeah, it's a solo headline show. Nice. <laughs> My dream. Oh, complete control. <laughs> um, one thing I thought was interesting about this card mm. arrangement and this is just for me in particular is that the liar is directly above work so oh. I feel like that is the place where I put on most of my facade and wear my mask because yeah. I felt like I've got to be I'm in the position where I have to be quite diplomatic and withhold certain information to people for fear of the repercussions yeah I think the thing I'm not afraid at work if someone picks up something like well I like this I'm not afraid to say no it's trash put it down <laughs> um, which <laughs> they they do come back to be honest because they trust my judgment now and they ask me what will i like but um yeah you do almost have that when you know something's bad and when you yeah. know that someone's not gonna like it but you know you still have to sell it to them anyway and i think that's the worst part and it's so true with work though it's when you put on that fake aid with different customers and depending what you're doing you almost have like different fake aids for different workplaces i'm sure you behave differently in the rehearsal room <laughs> Or when you're playing on stage or with other bands than you would with customers at work. Just because uh, yeah. that nature of, not appropriateness, but just, yeah. I find myself at the merch stand kind of, become, kind of becoming confused sometimes. So I'm like, wait, this is my stuff I'm selling. And I'm kind of in like work mode of selling like 
products that are like something I'm not always, I'm interested in like most of the stuff we sell, but sometimes I'm just like, I hate this thing. And it's kind of a challenge, but in a fun way for me to like, to, to get someone interested in something that I would normally not be interested in and then kind of bounce off their interest and be like, oh, this is actually like not so bad. And yeah, it's interesting navigating those like scenarios with that like when you're in a place of like where you're passionate about everything and then you kind of have this weird sort of um moment where you're like wait this is this is the part of my brain i use when i'm like trapped yeah that's your retail brain almost yeah, that you go to brain. that yeah. you don't i think as well for me that's really true it's i don't want to approach this and my music as a business and mm-hmm. a way to make money which for lots of people it is um but for me i don't want to approach it as I'm going to do this because I know I'll get the best returns and I could sell this, you know. I don't want to do it because I think this will sell. I want to do it because this is what I want to do. And if people like it, I'm happy to talk to people in a way that they might like it and might buy it, but Mm. I'm not going to do something just because I think it will sell. And that's almost completely against that authenticity, you know. I was literally just going to say that and then that's kind of the authenticity gone, isn't it? Once once you're more geared towards that sort of mindset. Exactly. I think people can feel your interest and passion. And I think that's like the greatest setting point. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Like sometimes I find that I'm really good at selling things because I find it really interesting to talk to people. And I think once you can, because um, like I really love in any environment just being like working out what someone's story is, like what is it that they get excited about? And when someone's excited about something, it's really easy to get excited yourself. Yeah, it's and... really it really shines through when someone's passionate about something. Yeah. That you know, that passion's infectious. And exactly. That's when the, especially when you both know what you're talking about in a sense. Yeah. And when, you know, you can say a band or I can say a band and it's like, oh yeah, I know that and you immediately get what you mean. That's the whole thing. That's when you share that <laughs> you know, that interest and that passion. And that's where the magic is but sure is that's where the magic lies it's like i I just i remember reading an interview with a band just looking at the liar card again there's a (laughs) swedish uh, band called incision okay and they're actually really good but um but he he legitimately thinks that when he goes on stage he is actually possessed by a demon damn and someone's just like oh is this like um i remember reading metal hammer like fucking years ago and um, and it was like, oh, it's just like a, a part of a way of you psyching yourself up to perform. He's like, no, 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 I, I legit think there's a demon <laughs> that inhibits my body when I go Jesus. up on stage. Inhibits. Inhabits. 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 The demon's stopping me. When I go on stage, the demon says no today. A <laughs> demon says no. <laughs> but Mailer demon. Sorry. Yeah, just... I don't even think Incision's still going. You'd like him, Shem. They've got a real crusty vibe. I'll link you a song. I really want to interview this guy and just ask only about his demon. Is it like, what does I don't want to interview you. I want to interview yeah, the yeah. demon. Get him what does house. he eat? Like, what's his favourite food? What is the, I have so many questions. Does the demon, demon use towels on stage? He had a name for it as well. It, he, it's, it a spe- it's a specific demon as well. From... Is it called like Betty or something? No, nah, it was a, a fucking a Balthazar or... Oh, oh was, okay. It's like one an of actual like, yeah, demon, one of the actual like a, entity. Yeah. Biblical. Genie. Gin, whatever. Gin, I love gin. They're cool. Some of them yeah. are really horny, though. But I, I think that's most people, to be honest. It's true. So yeah. it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you look at like old pictures of gin, some of them are just like, <laughs> some of like boning. Others are just like, the thing is with gin, like they're kind of like, some of them are really good. Some of mm. them are really bad. Some of them are just like kind of neutral. Yeah. 
I like that about them. I think that's mm. pretty cool. The whole, whereas, like, perspective. There's no, like, good, bad. I mean, there, there is some of that, but it's not like the Bible where it's like, you're either good or you're either bad. Jinn are just, like, the grey area. Yeah. The horny grey area of... Uh, mm. Demonology. It's funny because they're really used to terrify kids when they're young, right? Well, I grew up with a lot of um, Muslim friends and they all were terrified of the concept of jinns. I, I always found they were cool. My grandma, whenever there was thunder, would say that the jinns were dancing in the cupboards. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. It's so cool. Like, I like that. Yeah. In the Shahnameh, there's like, usually the jinns will steal women and like take them. They'll have like a home and the woman will be trapped in the garden. Sometimes they'll usually kill the guy. They still guys do too, but they make them like they enslave people, right. and they're like these horrible horned ogre-like things. And then like the the prince or the whatever will come and just like rescue them, and it's all cool. Yeah, sorry, it was a bit of a tangent there. <laughs> Into the gin story. Yeah. Enter the gin. Do you wanna do you wanna go for the mm. informant card? The informant card. Yeah. Oh, the home. Interesting. Never the home father. Whoa! You don't... Father never home. Father never home. You don't have to go personal if you don't no, want to, but you're more than welcome to if you want to. Oh, that's okay. Um, no, just we no longer talk. Okay. That's, that's, uh, yeah, it's my decision. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like the informant in the past and moving forwards the cave, like out of the cave and that security, which is what I'm choosing to interpret the future cave card as. Um, I think in the past having that, you know, negativeness and inhibitive environment and that almost negative, you know, never at the home and at home, um, I think for me was something that moving forwards in lockdowns actually weirdly being at home now in a completely different circumstance has been very helpful for me. And even for my music as well, you know, it's, allow me to have that space to get weird with a load of amplifiers, um, <laughs> write some, something different as well and write something which is authentic and true to me. And I think that it's really poignant that that's in the past um, and now moving forwards with things opening up. And I don't think it has to necessarily be about leaving the home and the home is in the past and the home is there and the home is done. Um, I think it's, you know, something that will always have been there in the background as a supportive place, which now moving forwards, you can treat almost as like a, a base to spring from essentially, mm -hmm. be that musically as in it's allowed that space to experiment and write and um, seek inspiration from, but not in a negative sense, just because it's in the past doesn't mean it has to be bad. Um, almost more, yeah, like I say, a base and... We were saying before as well about how having just staying at home and seeing those same falls can be very, you know, what originally was the home, which was a place of security. When you don't have that contrast, that's when, you know, you don't really appreciate the other things. So I think having that home as the background as that contrast to move forwards into the future for from the home to almost treating it as the cave, as a place of security, a place to return to but not necessarily a place to live, I think is a really important shift in mindset. Yeah, it's a very, very powerful way of looking at it. And also, like, I, I think, you know, a healthy, positive way that you're not letting it um, drag you down, which is like, you know, I commend that. That's very difficult to have to deal with. Um, yeah. Um, sorry. We all have, like, 
I mean, I don't want to speak for anyone, but we can all, I think, some of us relate to mm. what you've said. Um, yeah, what do you think, Floyd? Yeah, I mean, every time I hear the word home, I always think of the same phrase, you know, like, home is where the heart is. Yeah, mm. how can you not? Yeah, yeah. and it's like... Um, it's interesting for me because, you know, every time we do these things with the cards, as you know, I think instinctively you're always going to have your own interpretation yeah, of the card yeah. that gets pulled, which is why it's always so interesting to hear someone else's other take. So, I mean, the only thing I could focus on at the moment is the fact that I have literally just moved house. So, from a very <laughs> literal yeah. perspective. So, as soon as that card was turned, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I still need to sort out the... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, the this. boxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I was going to say, I think I'm the only one here who's not moving at the moment. So it's oh, not in that state of flux for that. So oh, yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy your cave home. The cave home, the, the home cave. cave, the home which has now become a cave because I've lived in it for so long. <laughs> the man cave. Uh, the home cave. I don't know. Man cave sounds so like masculinity. It sounds so ugh, but nasty. <laughs> no. We don't like masculinity. Sorry. I, I rescind the man cave. I didn't <laughs> edit and delete the comments. It's okay. It's just it's an absolute cretinous cave. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting set altogether. Yeah. And I really, really, really enjoyed a juxtaposition between lots of those cards as well, which I think adds, you know, definitely adds that whole narrative of this is all very collected together in the past and this is all very collected together in the future. Yeah. And I'm quite a positive person generally. And, you know, I think realistically speaking, I'm not oh my God, everything's great and optimistic. But I do generally try to see the good things. And if something bad's happened, treat it as a you know, formative experience rather than wallow in grief or pity or anything like that. So I think it's really nice to see that almost positive for me, positive narrow uh, narrative with that solid basis of, you know, for me, work, friendship, and then the stranger as well. You've got kind of gone from like, Symbols that are related to security, not moving forward, like stillness, the father like pointing you in which direction you should go and shoot mm. your arrows, the home being a hearth where like, you know, you stay there, never being, you don't move forward, you stop. Mm. And then moving on to, you know, strange stranger, the strangeness of the movement of work, the cogs turning, friendship of exchanging energy and stories and narratives mm. and the cave being you know your in your inner world your inner home mm. the place where you make the decisions as to where you feel safe and how you feel safe you yeah. know where you can assume your fetal position and the liar being you know how you choose to present yourself as mm. well and yes affirming all of that that's how i take it away i think so as well definitely yeah i think it's good are we Sorry, I was just going to say, there's one thing that whenever the cave comes up, and I never say it, but for me personally, as a musician, the cave is like when I'm sitting down writing music. Because mm. that's like how I'm interpreting the outside world. So that's like one point where I feel so separated from everything else. And so it focused on introspection. So I always think about the cave, especially like with musicians and stuff. I think it's kind of weird for me as well, because I don't, write on an electric as well i write everything that i do i write on an acoustic oh. um and i think for me that's because obviously you're not like when you're a guitarist in a band and you have a keyboard and then another guitarist and bass and drums and anything you your challenge is not just what you're playing but also how to fit into that whole massive picture yeah you know how do you sonically have your space 
And I think that's a problem which everyone deals with and learns how to deal with and knows how to deal with. Uh, for me, because it's just me, I have to fill that space. There's, it, there's nothing to hide behind, essentially. And what might sound like the best guitar tone like in the world in a band setting would probably f- sound horrendously thin and reedy on its own without any of that supporting instrumentation. So, whereas I'm sure my guitar tone sounds fucking dog shit with like <laughs> a full band, it would not sound good. But for me, it works. And I think having that space of safety and like, like I think that's really poignant as well to songwrite myself and having that space on my own to songwrite, especially with an acoustic with that full range, it really gives you that personal space to attempt how are you going to fill out what's being played yeah. how what you're physically playing how is that not just going to sound good and how is it going to fill the sound but how what are you physically playing how is that going to sound full i think for me that's why i write an acoustic a lot as well because if it sounds kind of thin and acoustic it's going to sound thin when it's just an electric guitar yeah but if it sounds big and acoustic because yes. the way i have my setup it almost mirrors that full frequency range that you get from an acoustic then that's going to sound good so this is something this is a discussion i've had with shem yeah you know that sounds more full than an acoustic a fucking electric guitar with loads of distortion i disagree <laughs> i honestly disagree i think that in an acoustic guitar you can hear colors that you cannot hear in an in a electric guitar i'm with you on that one as well i think there is a greater range of fullness mm-hmm. and like tone and width a, a, a electric guitar sounds impressive and it sounds big, but it does not sound as expansive as, as a, a rich chord on a full-bodied acoustic. It's like the difference between wine and beer. Like, an electric guitar is like being punched in the face by a smackhead, and an acoustic <laughs> guitar... <laughs> it's, that's, that's a good... That's a compliment. A smackhead. Okay, punched uh, in the face <laughs> by a cocaine addict? Is that better? I don't know. No, I just disagree. I'm sorry. Could you I, say being punched in the face and left it Punched in the face. <laughs> I don't know why my brain went there. This is the same part of my brain that's, like, been unlocked. This is, this is the cave this brain. This is the lockdown, but the cave brain. I'm sorry. The cretinous home brain. The cretinous cave brain. Here it is, everybody. <laughs> I've gone full crab. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, like I, I think a, a electric is is impactful and immediate, whereas an acoustic I think is so rich. It's like okay, it's the difference between between a custard cream, which is like sweet and fills your mouth, and like a digestive, which is which one's which? The electric guitar's a digestive because it does the job, and it's like delicious with tea, <laughs> and it's like punchy, and you bite in, it's like yeah, this is great. But then you have the custard cream, and you're like, oh, yeah. why did I care about digestives? I'm going to be really controversial and boring here, but yeah. digestives are the, my favourite biscuit. Fair like, enough. Absolutely. Well, top tier. They're the most flexible biscuit. Definitely. I prefer rich teas to digestives. Rich oh. teas are better. Yeah. yeah. Only so, with yeah. tea, though. That's the thing on their own. You've got to dip dry. Them. Yeah, too dry. I, I hate custard cream, so I have to say. I thought you were going to say, I hate God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate God. In my head, it was like an E instead of an I. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a trivia band's just I hate custard cream. Oh my god. <laughs> just I hate God, but everything's biscuit related. No authenticity at all. Absolutely. No, I think that would be fully authentic because you've understood what it means to do that. I think like it's so true though what you're saying. With acoustic guitar, there's a reason, you know, if it's just a singer-songwriter, it's either an acoustic guitar or a piano. Yeah. There's a reason you don't just have a singer-songwriter with a telecaster. Because mm-hmm. that does not fly. You don't get that resonance and those harmonics that you get naturally with those resonant acoustic instruments. And 
you know, for me, that's like a challenge when it is just for me, electric guitar, hence why I run through like three guitar amps and a bass amp and they all do different things. You know, I kind of treat each amp almost as a, a set in the EQ. Yeah. One is the bass, one is the mid, one is the treble. And then you mix accordingly to that. And then you've got the PA, which is just the fattest oscillator in the world going. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's a really good approach to have for me anyway of the acoustic as a bass. Yeah. Like it just as a bass instrument and then moving to electric, almost trying to make that electric mirror what works with an acoustic guitar. So. Um, it's really nice. It's like affirming for me to hear you talk about that because mm. um, when we were doing the first Lowen album, that's the fucking chair. <laughs> This is making those farting sounds. It's really annoying. Corner, like, Every time I move forward, it's like... It's <laughs> so bad. It sounds exactly like a human fart. I don't know why it's human uh, Yeah, you keep saying human. <laughs> a human fart. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Here I am, talking about human music. You're like the aliens in The Simpsons. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're exchanging protein strands. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually am, and my mask is cracking, and like... Like, this whole thing is a, a human fever dream. Do, do you know the funniest sentence <laughs> as well is that sounds not even going to get caught on mic. No, so it's just, no, so it's just that sounds like I'm actually farting. You've got to add that in. They can only hear you talking about it. You've just got to add that in in post. Yeah. Like, that's going to be it. The <laughs> you sound just did, do some comedy fart sounds. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. What was I even fucking saying? Uh, you were saying about the, the low end stuff. Oh, I'm sorry to talk about myself. It's fucking boring. No, it's good. Good to have that. That's how conversations work. Talk about acoustic. Sorry. As you can see, I've forgotten how to to conversate. I'm just like, I'm just fucking, I've evolved into a crab. Finally, it's happened. It's your final form. It is the final, it's the final form of all species. Have you read about carcination? It's my favorite, like, science thing. Like, everything just becomes crabs. It's it's just, oh, for God's sake. I heard that one. It's so bad. It always happens if I shift my butt. It's like, Sorry, I've ruined the whole podcast with my fake thoughts. I can't thoughts. believe you've done this. Right, I can't cancel it, cancel it now. <laughs> I know what you're referring to. Most uh, of what I say is just weird, low-key internet references and people haven't quite caught on yet. <laughs> oh, this is great. Um, what I was trying to say is when we are doing the, the first Lowen album, mm. I kind of like forced Shem to play the songs on acoustic, which he hated, but it really helped me find some good vocal melodies mm. because you can feel extra resonance in the guitar. And she was like, yeah. nah, nah. You are, I, I think acoustic guitars are garbage. I love them. <laughs> I love them. If you can them. play on an acoustic that is the ultimate test of can you play it on an electric though that is what i, I was saying disagree. i just i don't think so i know if it sounds good on an acoustic it's going to sound good on electric but it's not mm. the same way the other way around i, I think it's a bit like it's if you're you a wind if you played like uh, a wind instrument it'd be the difference between playing like a flute and a sax no like, it still sounds like good they're very different i feel like no I, no I, I play a wind instrument i don't i don't agree with you i, I, I don't i don't I've, i'm uh, i'm with you on that one yeah Wind instruments is unite. Yeah, it's like yeah. you might it might be another reed instrument with the same fingerings but just different tone. I know. Yeah, I you think... just have a different. It'll be a different pitch or a different so tone. I've, yeah. I've had like an old acoustic guitar that I thought sounded garbage. Right. And I thought the guitar. Sucked. I love that guitar. And then someone's come to my house, picked up that guitar, played the guitar, and it sounds like an ovation. It sounds amazing, and I'm like, oh, I just suck at playing acoustic guitar. 
But you don't. that guy couldn't play riffs the same way I play riffs. Honey, you don't sets. suck. You don't suck at acoustic <laughs> guitar. You just think because it's not like loud and punchy that it's bad. I, that's how I feel anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I don't. You don't have to like the acoustic thing, but I. I would like to do it anyway when doing vocal melodies because oh, yeah, it really helps. Yeah. 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 I think it's a good like physical. Let alone what it sounds like, whatever. If you can physically play it on an acoustic you will easily be able to play it on an electric, mm. which I think is a really good, like, just as a tool for practice yeah. because it is harder to play riffy stuff on an acoustic. Yeah. Just objectively, if you're playing really fast, when it's easier, much easier, you know, electric bridge pickup, fine. If you can play that shit on an acoustic, like, you're going to absolutely shred it with the electric. So, especially solo stuff. Is that because of hammer-ons? Is that when you just go whoop on the thing about... That is maybe one of the things that's more <laughs> difficult Ignorant to do. guitarist questions. One, but just I everything. I can't play regular scale guitars. You need long guitars. I've got... Shem is a checks. man of length. I've yeah. got one of those Squire Baritone Jazzmasters. Yeah, I can't play ones. I've, I've got one of those. It was the those 30-inch Squire ones, and it's great. But it's... Are you looking I've to sell got, it? <laughs> Absolutely, you yeah, are. Like a you know, they, yeah. they were sold like cheap, and oh my god! Because Shem got it when it came out. Yeah, me too. And we as were well. like gonna get a new a spare one, yeah. and we were just like, I was gonna say you're welcome to borrow it if you ever need. Like, because yes. oh, so I nice. don't really play it that much. Like, okay, well, when you look you can to give sell it, back, it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's you can borrow it. What were you gonna say about it? Mm, I was gonna say like it's so weird going from that to my regular one because I have it's a regular scale like. LTD tether, <coughs> which is just set up in ridiculous tuning mm. with like silly thick strings on. But for me, I find that to be a bonus because I can play those really, you know, complex chords, um, yeah. which it's not good struggle to do. I can do it, oh, but it hurts like a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, whereas, but then when you go back to it, you can do the most amazing fucking stretches on the yeah, neck. Like, I love it it's, when it's actually good to like write stuff on that and then transfer it to your regular guitar because suddenly it feels so easy mm. again. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, yeah that's and I've um, outing myself, small fingers. Um, tiny hands. Tiny hands. Literally, I guarantee my hands like the same size as yours. I think yours are a bit bigger. I'm probably not. I have like stubby fingers. So. Like, oh, we're very similar, but I think I'm a yeah, tiny just like, bit smaller. Tiny, bigger palms, but same fingers. But yeah. so like, I can't, I, it's so painful sometimes on the baritone, like to get those really? stretches yeah. because I'm just like, Ugh. but then coming back to the regular scale guitar, it, it feels so easy. It's so good. It's such a good, like both tool for practice and writing as well, you know, just for that tone. As a small hand person playing guitar, like it's one of the reasons I never really ended up. I have I own guitars, I own a bass and a really good bass, I may mm. add, and like a very pretty spear guitar. Yeah. I can't fucking play them. Like I actually got the spear because I could actually fit my hand round the yeah. the neck because the neck wasn't like fifty inches thick. Mm. Um, not that they actually are, you know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Just picture the fifty inch neck. Guitar. <laughs> I was going to say thanks for that, like clarification. <laughs> it's there. actually Trent Reznor's neck that I'm playing this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um but anyway what was i fucking talking yeah it's just really hard to play like you're curling the fingers around and having putting your thumb in the thing and it's just yeah. I, I need to stop doing this hand movement that's what i love about mine because it's like it's a you know ltd esp japanese brands their nice. necks are fucking tiny Aww. which is great for me like i can it especially when you're playing for like that long you know you're 20 minutes in and you're playing lots of chords it does start to hurt <laughs> which i think was probably what when i was recording like booted me out of that mindset it's like oh my god my hand is cramping but um i think having those like that nice smaller like profile neck as well makes it so much easier just to 
Anyway, enough of guitar talk. No, Sorry cool. for the you vocalists. Ever, you know what I've always wanted to um, try is those mm. aluminium guitars. I really yeah. want to. They're heavy as fuck. Are they though. heavy? Because the yeah. necks look really thin. Yeah, aluminium ones are really heavy, especially if you're going like electric guitar company with a plexiglass. Those are the ones I love the electric guitar. They like are Conan so use those, heavy. Don't Conan, they? Uh, no, they're they done use Dunnable ones. Oh, they're Dunnable ones. Uh, okay. Son uses uh, electric guitar company. Melvin's. Um, Buzz uses Melvin's. One. Uh, Aaron Turner from Sumac, he uses yeah. one as well. They're beautiful. Um, and yeah, but you've, you've even got other ones. Like you do have other aluminium ones you've got honer as well i think what's the name tarnia from bismuth has like a aluminium neck base and stuff like that and those are cool because it's like a it's wooden just body. the neck yeah so it yeah. must be not as heavy i think the thing is that they're super from what i understand like really um susceptible to like temperature change oh because yeah, metal metal, metal, yeah really so you easy. have to yeah they you do have to like adjust them a lot i think oh but, yeah I, well, that was the thing, yeah, main thing i was wondering fuck. about the necks is like how much you have to adjust them and because i mm. guess like metal can become quite soft yeah but uh, to sustain as well on that mm, must be beautiful amazing i really want to have like a go on one of those necks even though i Me don't too. know shit about guitar it just <laughs> look really cool i think it would be like a bit too clanky for me like i try and play full chords and it would like chime a bit too much yeah, i don't know. have an idea of them yeah yeah it's a bit cold i like proper like satin necks i think it'll get a bit too slippy if it was like a you know like a a satin like brushed matte metal neck that would be quite nice i think mm. but as like regular aluminium must be gets you will get really slippery you're right yeah, yeah. especially mm. under like stage lights or something damn you're right it must get hot as well i can imagine and it's heavy as fuck so um are we doing the the diamond thing I don't think we've got time uh, because cool. it's eight o'clock is it actually it's actually eight o'clock time flies you're oh gonna be late home so i am yeah <laughs> so i think we should probably wrap it up yeah. um is there anything else you want to cover i don't or? think so this has been really good and thank you so much for like no, it's been as a well. pleasure it's yeah. been so cool getting to know you yeah definitely it's nice to actually do stuff like this as well yeah. validating as a musician oh well, <laughs> consider yourself validated thank you yes yes um, well thank you so much for watching people who've watched and or listened feel free to like and subscribe and and check out all sire's mm. music all sire, at all, all sire. sire on instagram i don't have facebook just instagram that's me and said so there's more material in the pipeline yeah so doing uh one more probably live ep this year uh, one or two splits as well and maybe a collaboration in the works so stuff to look out for intriguing mm. well thank you so much for making the journey over here and putting up with our our stuff our shit our humanness <laughs> <laughs> i am really Your a human, human. <laughs> thank you for listening human <laughs> listeners it's just like that zuckerberg thing we're just like <laughs> drinking the water and <laughs> she just played the expel music <laughs> here i am trying to drink some water anyway thank you for listening everyone um yeah come and support us if you want to support us if you don't then thanks for making it this far i'm surprised frankly um mm. thanks for chilling with us au revoir see ya thank you very much <laughs>